And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. You the only one who made it? Not the only one. Did you kill it? Where were you, Charles? I thought I saw Blair. I went out after him. Got lost in the storm. Fire's got the temperature up all over the camp. Won't last long, though. Neither will we. How will we make it? Maybe we should. If you're worried about me... If we've got any surprises for each other... I don't think we're in much shape to do anything about it. Why don't we just wait here for a little while? See what happens. Steel Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Episode 175. Dude. <laughs> I, I cannot tell you how excited I am about this. This is literally a guest that we've been wanting on the show, I think, before we even started the show. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, I, I hope I don't disappoint you guys. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're about to get no, so, so much smoke for the entire length of the <laughs> You're about to get so much smoke <laughs> blown up your ass. And uh, that guest is the Paul amazing. Komoda. Yes, Paul. Welcome, Paul. Sir. Um, very happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And very happy we can make this happen. I am too. I am too. Like I agree with you. A name that hit the list. Early, yeah. Um, I first met you back in the Carpenoctum days via via like seeing your work and going like, okay, this guy's doing crazy stuff and uh, and loving it. Um, uh, I don't even know where to begin with you, dude. Yeah, it's a funny thing. So I came to know you guys through um, two friends of yours, namely um, Margo, yes, Rittis and um, Laura Shrewsbury. Laura Shoesbury, we Laura have Laura Ray. on for costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Laura's great. Uh, yes, yes. I, I, I listened to that interview. No, she's she's sensational. Uh, I know wow. we were friends, and we still maintain uh, whatever contact we can uh, since uh, we're on the opposite ends of the <laughs> of the country at this point. So, like everything else, it's like I, my life. There's so much of my life, and my emotional investment is still in New York City, and I do what I can to kind of maintain communication lines. But as a kid, you grew up in New Jersey, right? Yeah, East Windsor, New Jersey. Um, fascinating place. Um, 
teeming with all manner of uh, creepy crawly wildlife, which has unfortunately long since been eradicated due to pest spraying. Mm. But uh, you could go out, you can find anything. You turn over a rock, and there'd be all manner of horror and wonder looking back at you. Did, and, uh, did did you did you do this because we've talked and 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 I, I get the feeling that like as a kid and and at a, at a probably the same time you know in the in the uh, early seventies <laughs> I, I, I I would go outside and I would catch b- a bug mm. you know or or, or mm. uh, some kind of creepy crawly and then I would go into the bathroom. And I would take this poor thing, and I, I feel really bad about. <laughs> are we this are we going to be okay with where this yeah, is going? Yeah. Where are we going with this? <laughs> I would take every item in the medicine cabinet and mix it together, and then pour it on this poor creature. Oh um, no! In an wow. effort to try to make it grow. I sure. Wanted, I wanted to be oh. a mad scientist, and that that's was pretty. Uh, that's kind of fairly forward thinking. I, I <laughs> in a way, <laughs> I mean, maybe not in practical application. <laughs> But that's uh, that's actually pretty interesting. I, I don't think I ac- that actually ever occurred to me. So you got one up on me there, sir. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm. Uh, uh, I mean, all all li- little kids have a fascination with bugs, right? And and so much oh, of yeah. that that bug aspect is is where you come in, and a lot of your artwork has is very insectoid. Uh, yeah, and I think a lot of that is reflected by my surroundings as a child. And it came to a couple of things. I'm trying to remember what I see, I'd seen first because I remember we had this incredible collection. My parents had the uh, uh, they had this unbelievable collection of Time Life books on every subject: was reptiles, insects, the desert, um, you know, tropical Asia, evolution. And I just pour through these things, just trying to interpret these fantastical images, and not really, and w- through a kid filter. So I remember in the evolution book, there's a, a photograph on the cover of two marine iguanas and a big red crab. And in my head, those were like Godzilla-sized behemoths. And, the, the, the gi- of course, it was a giant crab as well on this tiny little volcanic island. And for, for years and years, I'd look at this and think it was that thing. And I can still, I still could look at that book nowadays and still see it with those child's eyes, which is pretty fascinating to me. Uh, Wait, I can still paint all that. Was this, wait a minute, was this like the, 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 like the, the Animal Kingdom encyclopedia set? Uh, it was it was sort of like a yeah sort of an overview of everything, but it covered more than animals. It, it covered like uh, you know geology and 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 various points of the world. And but there are very specific um, books devoted to mammals and 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 uh, different animal types, different it, colored covers. That brings up it, well because you described that that cover and I totally know that cover, and it brings up the idea of um, images, um, graphic images that we see as a kid. Or at least at, at one time, I don't know now. Maybe that we got too much information for this to happen. But as a kid, <laughs> you sit w- literally for hours with something, and it wasn't until I was older that I realized how deeply ingrained all those images were. Sure. It's oh like, yeah. It's like record covers, right? With your Very much so. Yeah, yeah, oh, because yeah, yeah. Listen to the music, and you just live in those record albums. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and, I, and that's something I kind of miss. I call it the curse of adulthood. That you know, suddenly, finally, I've got all these amazing art books behind me, mm-hmm. and I scarcely have time to really fall into them anymore. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. This thing they make years ago. they make weed for that now. That really yeah. helps. <laughs> 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 Probably something I should look further. Yeah, I know. Right? You live in California. Come okay, on. I, I I'm going to back up for just a second because sure, we're doing sure. we're doing something that we often do, and we're assuming that the listener 
knows, knows who, who Paul Komodo sure. is. So let's oh, let's, so let's uh, <laughs> there. How do we impact this I'm, stuff? <laughs> I'm I'm curious about about like you, we're always curious about kids. So I, at what point did you start drawing? And at what point did your art teacher contact your parents? <laughs> oh, well, that's, well, let's see. Oh, when I started drawing, that that's a that's a good question. I mean, I mean, I can't remember a time when I wasn't drawing. Yeah. Although I do remember, I'm not. I'll keep this the brief. But I do remember answer. being an infant. I do remember the the ritual of infancy, where you'd get woken up at a certain point. They'd plop you in front of the TV and watching Star Trek. I'm hearing news about Vietnam and hearing words like Congress and not really comprehending it. It's just these these symbols and images and words. And then uh, getting fed all this stuff, like this special kind of toast and this weird sort of wheat germ cereal I'd eat all the time. And the whole idea of actually eating adult food, real food, was horrifying to me. I remember the day that we actually set a plate of steaming vegetables and steak and whatever the fuck it was and rice. And no, I w- I, you, no, fuck that. I, I, I wouldn't even countenance the thought of Give me my mush. Yeah. I need my mush. No, I'm, I'm used to my, yeah, the slurry and the toast and the whatever the... Oh, that comes back in your later years. <laughs> yeah. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but uh, the drawing part, that I guess the gradually, I, and, I, and I wish I could say at what point it, it started, although I will say, my brother and I, we went back through into my um, into our father's uh, closet where he kept, he kept a lot of our old drawings and they're almost all of them uh, page after page of big toothy dinosaur heads in profile Yeah, over and over again there here's another go. one here's wait, breathing fire wait, wait you're still doing toothy dinosaur heads in profile <laughs> no, well, here's, there's, a, there's a point to that actually because they're like uh, about two years ago I said I'm going to start that again and for an entire month I'm just going to draw a big toothy dinosaur head some realistic some absolutely cartoonish some very surreal, some more uh, a bit more kaiju-like, a bit more Harryhausen-like, a bit more realistic, uh, and I'll, I'll just do that for an entire month and see what I see what comes of it. And that was fun as hell. And so I've now got like a portfolio, I, could, I suppose, of like 30, 30 days of dinosaurs. Well, yeah, I, I I think that's a thing now, right? It's like Jur- Jurassic July or something like that. Is it really? Where, yeah, artists. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't aware of that. Until yeah, someone began pointing that out to me. I think. I think the first person I saw doing that was Shannon, was Shannon Shea. Oh, yes. great. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. He, he, he's the one that brought it up, I believe. But, yeah. Uh, pretty wow. Cool. Wow. But, you, mentioned, um, you mentioned your brother, Kurt, who's also yes. a, a hell of an artist. Oh, yeah. He took, uh, he took things off in a completely different direction, and uh, um, he's doing astounding work these days. And, yeah. uh, wow. Because no, uh, I took off, I guess my, uh, my career uh, trajectory, if you want to call it that, it was a bit, it's a bit more... Kind of that's, a perfect, that's a perfect description right there. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like whenever people ask me, so what was your career like? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, here I am. What can I tell you? You know, I'm, I just did lots of weird stuff and uh, and um, kind of happy about it. But um, so I guess in a weird way, I could almost say Kurt had a bit more of a straight line. He, he spent some time in the Navy and got some great experience and and uh, came back and suddenly he was doing this astounding artwork. So I'm glad to see he's doing a lot of um, illustrations for uh, for RPG games and, and things like that at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of Lovecraft inspired stuff, and uh, um, it, it's it's really inspiring. So it's good to see that um, well, he's keeping the tradition going. There you go. But yeah. I guess we should rewind a little bit and say that uh, the reason both Kurt and I are doing it is a lot. It's a large part uh, of that is due to our parents both being illustrators. My mother was a children's book illustrator. Uh, look up um, Jelly Beans for Breakfast. 
Uh, that's uh, uh, one she's pretty well known for. My father, oh, he no was. Shit. Uh, I, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Actually, yeah. It, it all makes sense now. Yeah. yeah, jelly beans for breakfast. And uh, one of the books she worked on, um, I think it was 18 Cousins, got read on Captain Kangaroo. Wow, um, And rewinding even further back, she actually did um, did some work over at Jay Ward. She did Rocky and Bullwinkle back, way back in the day. Wow. So there's an interesting legacy going on there. And um, you know, bringing things up to date a, bit, a little bit more. My father, he was, did a lot more naturalistic illustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember one book he did was called Biography of a Trapdoor Spider, I think that was called. I think uh. it was called that. And so there's that, mean, hence all the all the nature reference around our house. Yeah, yeah. And it just and the idea that it's natural to not have a memory without everyone in the house with a pen in their hand, right? Right. Yeah, there was always something. I mean, remember, remember, rapidographs. Holy shit, those things were. Uh, <laughs> I, again, it's sort of when I mentioned those, most people are bewildered, but those were my jam for a little while. Oh, Dude, sure. rapidographs were they were um, simultaneously like. It was like a, a a light opening up to me. It was like ah, and at the yeah. same and at the same time they were the bane of my existence. Oh my god, they were maddening sometimes. They <laughs> jam sometimes, and you had to get the little cartridges for them. And oh uh, yeah, yeah, there's some um, crazy things. And the smell of magic markers is the, uh, and the squeaky sound of them. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. This is it's like so an true. AA guys reminiscing about what. Yeah, remember it used to taste so good. <laughs> one, of, one of the things that I wanted to to bring up when when. When, way back when, when Tom and I first started talking about we, we need to get Paul Komodo on the show, yeah, yeah. Um, is I wanted to to talk about uh, it was this was almost proposed as a theme, and that is finding beauty in the grotesque. Oh yeah, yeah. You are a master at this. In, in oh that, well, <laughs> thank you. Well, uh, what, what I mean is, I mean, like you know, like I'll show you know, um, what I like to call normies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, you know certain pictures and stuff, and I and 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 I'm just marveling at um, the 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 sense of detail. Um, there are certain things that you do. Uh, <laughs> I think I've I've said before, like you know, no one does swollen stuff like Paul. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> no, I did hear that uh, the time you mentioned my ability to cr- to render things that are swollen and sore to a. To a particular degree. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I guess, I guess so. I never thought about that. Well, it's true. It's, it, like, it, it's sort like, of an innate thing. When you draw, like, for example, um, uh, um, a victim of syphilis, and I look at oh. that, yeah. and and I'm just, I can feel it. It's just like, oh my god, this is like, this is so incredibly painful. And I think oh that that god. is yeah. a special ability that you're able to convey mm-hmm. a physical feeling through your work. I yeah. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I uh, know. I was about to say that uh, the reason I'm uh, fascinated and kind of fixated by these extremely, you know, um, unpleasant subjects, if um, one can refer to them as that, is that these are things that used to paralyze me as a child. These are things that were so horrendous. Even the idea of them, even uh, not even seeing the images, if someone would describe something like this to me, it would ruin my week. And to the point of, um, I remember being subject to what I can only describe as a kind of depression, even when I was in the fourth grade, where I'd, um, I'd hear about some horrible story in the news. I remember some local, there was some, ugh, I don't know how to get into this, but it was like some 
a kid had gotten run over by a school bus like on the very street that I usually cross every day. I decided to take the shortcut home, so I missed it, thankfully. But just hearing about that just set off yeah. this entire like Rube Goldberg device of horror in my head <laughs> to the point where it shut me down for the entire weekend. I remember just kind of shuffling back and forth with this horrible sense of despair and just... And and just like and thinking, oh my God, I'm, it's going to happen to me. I'm, I'm going to die horribly one day. Yeah, it's going to be really bad, and uh, there's nothing I can do I do to avoid it. Well, uh, I, and that brings up a question. Then I, I, I'm I'm wondering, did you at some point um, draw something that kind of cleansed your palate of that? Uh, and yeah, you know, here's the thing. I'm trying to remember at what point I started to use that almost therapeutically because mm. there was a point where I began delving into more extreme imagery and finding it extremely cathartic. Because I think at the time, there was sort of a crossroads where I wanted to be a bit more, uh, I suppose, more... Uh, um, I guess I was more into, say, like spaceships and I wanted to be more like... I was you know, influenced by like artists like Ron Cobb and... Uh, and, and Sid Mead and people like that so there's a bit of a futurist in me and, so, and part of me wanted to go that direction and it's, it's, remember it, I never, it never seemed to really catch on and there was always something it was almost like it was bugging me this, this, this thing was, no, this was undercurrent of something else was like uh, saying no you gotta go this other direction mm-hmm. you're gonna be yeah. sick for a very long time if you don't um, so uh, gradually uh, I, I found myself beginning more and more drawn into this more um, um, nightmarish imagery, I suppose. The worms kept pulling you back. It's, it's kind of the way it worked out, and it's, a, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I'm not, someday I'll have to examine what exactly worked, <laughs> the mechanisms that pulled me in that direction. You know, you're but, a guy uh, who, uh, who I think, you're one of the people who could make me buy the werewolf thing. Oh! So, oh. so well... Yeah. Uh, Tom. Yeah, I have I have a problem with werewolves because the idea of changing from a man to a beast and back again in like twelve Just hours. Anatomically speaking, and yeah. sexual. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's yeah. A, bit of a, a bit of a stretch. But I, I I think you could probably make me believe you that could, you could. Your work could convince Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That there's a, there's a there's a fluidity there. Yeah, that's something we we talk about. Like the guy, the person who gave you permission. I guess being in the house that you grew up in, there was nothing I, but permission. I guess there was permission from day one. I guess, uh, yeah. I guess in certain regards, I suppose to a certain degree, perhaps it was it was, it was imaginative. It dealt with dinosaurs and things. I mean, uh, unless I left the stuff around the house, then they'd mysteriously <laughs> vanish. Uh, I remember doing whole. I do whole epics based on you know whatever. I, I'd use characters like Ernie and Bert from Sesame Street, make them the main characters. And I had my own character, Fluffy, and, and stick him everywhere. And I'd do these like little staple. I'd staple together a pile of pages and fold them over and do a, do a little book. You know, and I remember doing a lot of these as a kid. And who the hell knows where most of them went? Um, kind of like hoping that one day, like there's a box that gets revealed to me. Son, we were uh, we were uh, saving these for you for when you're more <laughs> responsible and uh, could take care of these things. And but I somehow doubt it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm interested. Um, did your parents grow up in America, or did they come from um, Japan? My mother did. Yes, uh, my mother uh, certainly did, and uh, my father. But my father came right over from Japan, and uh, that's pretty much where they met in art school in, here in here in California, actually. And the reason why I'm interested is because I, you like me, and like a lot of other kids of that era, um, watched a lot of uh, Japanese monster movies. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, 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 yeah. that was. I remember the first day I was 
first night, rather, we, they took me to a drive-in triple bill of Monster Zero, Yidra uh, the Three-Headed Monster, and War of the Fucking Gargantuous. Yeah, uh, changed my life. You know? Oh my and, god! And the thing was, I missed most of War of the Gargantuas. It was weird because when you're when you're that small, I mean, I'm talking, a, I'm like a toddler at that point, and so a movie-going experience. You're just sort of like you're there. You open your eyes every once in a while. Something's cool. Something cool's happening on screen. You fall back to sleep. Right. You wake up. Oh, that's cool. You fall back to sleep. And I remember at one point I woke up and there were these two behemoths uh, and these hairy giants that are fighting in the ocean. I'm like, oh, that's kind of intense. And one is a hell of a lot uglier than the other. And that whoa. must be the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that left, certainly left an impression. And of course, later it became one of my absolute favorite films of all time. But um, but that's sort of where it all began. You know, I was like, okay, well. <laughs> Here we go, and uh, same with dinosaurs. You know, I, I was uh, introduced to dinosaurs not so much through illustrations, but through little plastic figures that I had gotten one Christmas in my stocking. And it was like, what's this thing? It's sort of a rhino, but it's not. And this thing that's sort of an elephant, but that's its head. And what's this thing with two legs and tiny arms? And, you, know, you know, and then gradually you get shown the books, and then, then here's King Kong, the original King Kong. And Dowsum, and uh, of course, it seemed like I'd, I'd seen all these films. It felt like I saw, I saw them all within one sitting. You know? Nice. Um, ah, um, those are the days, man, when you could go to a, like a local drive-in or a, a drive-in or even a walk-up, and, and be dropped off by your parents, and you'd sit for three three movies in an afternoon, and they were all just oh my god, yeah, yeah, they don't do that anymore. My no. my, my first theater experience was a double feature. It was. Um, Dr. Fives Rises Again, which was not what brought me. Oh, wow. I came for Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster. Hey, uh, oh, that's a good reason to go. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a hell of a double bill there. Holy shit. Yeah, it yeah. was great. It was great. Well, I, I, we, that's always a, a point of interest because I think it's from that, too. that uh, ground. I, I that always want to know from. where people are coming from. It's kind of like I like looking at people's um, like art and artists. I, like, I prefer to looking at their sketchbooks as opposed to the finished artwork sometimes just to see where their head's at. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to talk to you about that because you are—you're one of those guys that I'm uh, that I don't understand because, <laughs> well, because because I can't do it, and that is you are producing art all the time. It's like it's like breathing for you. Like for me, like I can't sit down and sketch something. I just I don't have sketchbooks. Every time I draw something, it's it's. Oh, you know, it's like it's a finished thing, and and it amazes me when I see and not only not only drawing. You know, we're talking about sketchbooks. By the way, your sketchbooks are nuts. Uh, what, no. you, what you <laughs> share, they're legendary. Online. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you could buy a house probably if you sold all your sketchbooks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, not only that, but you're sketching. In air quotes here, I'm using sketching in clay all the time. You, yeah, I, I think I try to keep that going as much as I can. Um, sometimes I've got an entire closet full of little like, heads and little studies that I started like years ago that I, I'm dying to finish. You know, whenever I get the chance, <laughs> like I'm doing dinosaur, whether it's dinosaur heads or just an anatomical study, or oh, I I'll, I'll like this character, I want to just see what that looks like in three dimensions, and um, try to keep this going as as, as you know con concurrently with the sketchbook stuff, and so. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying not to separate the two, but eventually, you know, they, they do. It's like, oh, well, there's your book stuff, and then there's your squishy play stuff. Um, so I'm always trying you, to when, when, when did that happen? When did, when did uh, uh, drawing, you know, pictures at the kitchen table turn into um, making something in play? 
Uh, that's a good question too. I remember because um, we were always like playing with clay in school. They always get you know be the sun. We always had this weird bluish gray clay that get us. <laughs> but it was this generic clay we all get. It looked like it needed a racer, and we'd all be sculpting dinosaurs and what have you with this stuff. But it wasn't until later that, uh, uh, you know, um, through the good offices of my parents, they'd give us this. Uh, it, we had these colored colored plasticines of the type. And uh, then, oh, cool! We can make these you know, any character we want now. So I, I remember I set upon myself whenever I got, got one of these little tests of clay uh, to like make a little, like, almost like my own little ecology of like of little monster creatures and things. And that would be like a weekend of just like um, squishing out little. Oh, here's this thing. Here's this thing that looks like a plant, or here's a little octopodal thing. It's got to be a crab thing here. So um, there'll be a little menagerie by the end of it, and that'll be. Um, and I haven't done that in a long time. That's something I want to get back into. But a weekend was created a whole whole uh, bunch of ta- a tabletop full of creatures. I'm curious about, the, about your time management. Like like when you look at a day, do you do you say I I, I operate off of like whimsy or is it like deadline imposed? How you break up your day? I mean, are, yeah, are, yeah. I, I wish I was better at it sometimes, <laughs> but I try to at least uh, I'll start off with, with an anatomical study if I'm on a good day. Uh, to start drawing, just to, to keep that going and make sure that uh, it's almost meditative. Because if I keep going, if I start drawing something and get it, some accurate lines down, then it at least gets my head going. I remember the one thing I used to do was um, if I had an assignment coming up and I really needed to get my head into a good creative space, I'd take uh, a preserved Emperor Scorpion I had out of a jar of alcohol and kind of lay it on the table or whatever I was looking at and draw that and just try draw, draw all the segments and the legs and all the pattern, the rhythms of its body as accurately as I could, and that would get me into a very good creative state mm-hmm. afterwards. I get the idea that, that there's not a day that goes by that Paul Komoda <laughs> says, you know, I'm just going to lay around and watch, well, I can't. And watch TV. I can't watch TV or even play video games guilt-free anymore, so I was like, oh, yeah. oh the fuck you're throwing, and I'm always getting like, this, you know, the tap on the shoulder by my muse or, or what have you, saying, hey, asshole, hey, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, so it, it, maybe it'll come back one day because I used to I used to pour so much time into, into games and things like that. But uh, I just late, lately it just hasn't been the case. Well, it, who has the time anymore? Well, that's it. It's like as we go no, along, it's an investment in time. Uh, these things because yeah. I you know this love you know I love me since Silent Hill and all that. And I wish I could revisit. Yeah. But I just yeah I just people yeah. now when they refer movies to me, I look and I go. Two twenty, huh? Two hours and twenty minutes, eh? <laughs> Tom, and I, Tom and I talk about this all the time. It's like our timeline, you know, yeah. with every day gets shorter and shorter. <laughs> I know. And so, so what you pay attention to or what you're doing, yeah. uh, really, it, it changes from when you're young, and you can kind of do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, you, yeah. you're pretty much you're in this kind of weird void where it's just like, hey, you're more the merrier. Sure, I'll, 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 I'll waste six hours in this. But uh, but it's true. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to get excited about movies these days, you know, unless it's it's something utterly life changing, uh, or at least affect me in some certain in a certain specific way. Then uh, I can't be bothered in most respects. So, which is kind of sad. Speaking of movies, uh, you've done some artwork for some. Um, yes, I have, Um, and that's pretty much. Um, been an on and off thing. I mean, it, I guess there was more of that happening when I first got to LA. Um, uh, even even before, even when I was in Philadelphia, you know, I was working with uh, my friend Mike Marino at Prosthetic Renaissance. 
um, back when he was, because he, he was just getting started, and he's long, you know, since that point, he's become a much, uh, he's really risen to um, um, some notoriety in that field. But, um, but yeah, I remember I started off uh, working with him on things like uh, Synecdoche, New York, where we're doing prosthetic. I'd never done prosthetic sculpture before, but here I was doing old age prosthetic sculpture for Philip Zimmer Hoffman and um, and some of the actors in that one. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. It was, it was a pretty incredible experience, and um, even worked, even worked on Shrek the musical. <laughs> but that so, experience I, must feed back into the art, right? All of the prosthetics. Oh, yeah, it, absolutely. It, it seems so symbiotic to me that the sculpting helps the the form and function of the drawing, and the drawing helps the sculpting, and this happens. Hey, the next thing you know, you're you're off in your own world, and that's just. I I I. I I get the feeling. So a lot of the people that we talk to, yeah, um, are like, "Hey, man, I started watching movies when I was, you know, blah blah," and that's I knew that's what I wanted to do, you know. And I get the feeling that movies just happened for you because it was a way to make money off of doing what you do, anyways, which is art. Yeah, I was a bit of both actually. Because I remember initially, that's really I, I really wanted to be a stop motion animator for the longest time. And My so, God, who doesn't? <laughs> I know. I remember just painting, again tabletops full of monsters, you know. And of course, um, these were always for the, the great stop motion epic that would never really happen. But there was always that idea in my head of one day all these things are going to be alive, and um, it's. Uh, and it, it was an interesting part of my life, and I, I can't exactly put a finger on what t- at what point that was happening, but it seems to be I was, I was making a lot of clay monsters for a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. I mean, you know, when you watch One Million Years B.C. As, oh, yes. as a kid, how can you not? I just I don't yeah. get it. Like it seems like a gimme that you're you're watching these this a film like that. You've got dinosaurs on your desk. It's like what if they moved? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> done. I'm curious I about. A big one for me was a uh, big one for me was Mysterious Island. It was no, just an yeah. image of a giant bee flying into the cave. You know, for like, wow. I I'm literally shaking like right <laughs> <laughs> as you say that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so good. Love that one. Um, it's been a yeah, no, yeah. I'm curious about the things that influence your work other than the, the things that people expect, like artists or, or films and that kind of thing. So I'm curious that I I see your work and, and ha- how it has a, a night almost a nightmarish <laughs> quality to it. Um, and I'm wondering how how things like uh, your sleep in get involves that your dream world involves how all of that feeds into what most people would call your imagination. Yeah, here's the thing. Um, I'm, I'll keep this brief too because it's a whole other. Just uh, go into a whole other area. Oh no, we're I'm. But uh, yeah, but apparently, according according to my parents, uh, I had constant nightmares as a child uh, when I was very small. Um, I'd be screaming at the top of my lungs. And they'd rush upstairs, shake me awake, and go, Paul, Paul, what's going on? And I'd wake up, not remember a damn thing. And this happened, you know, consistently enough where it was a thing, and to the point where I'm like, what was I dreaming about? And uh, I, I, I do not know. Um, but it, I do remember the first time I ever I had a dream that I remembered, uh, which is um, something that I've recounted several times over. Where I remember I was in, I used to sleep in the same bedroom with my brother. My brother, I couldn't stand him because he could fall dead away asleep. This is my <laughs> other brother, Dan. Uh, he didn't have a problem. He just like put his head in the pillow. He was asleep. 
I'd sit there tossing and turning the entire damn night and waiting for, you know, sleep to overtake me and you know, weird things would happen. And I remember seeing on the ceiling shapes were being drawn, like uh, squares and circles and, and triangles in this very bold, like, pen line over and over in this pattern. Then that would fade away, and this little Dr. Seuss elephant would flutter by on little bird's wings hmm. in front of my field of vision. Then I'd snap awake again, and, and I'd see the shapes being repeated on the ceiling. And I remember stumbling downstairs, uh, you know, boldly to my, you know, where my parents were. Like, Dad, is that just, you know, an artist is drawing shapes on the ceiling. <laughs> and then I mean, he had to imagine a very thick, like, Japanese accent. He was like, oh, Paul, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's uh, you're having a dream. And that's, that's kind of where that ball got rolling. Like, oh, and then, at, and then at, certain, at a certain point, the bad stuff started. And I remember yeah. there was, it was a very specific time around the fourth grade where I began getting mm-hmm. the worst night terrors. And there are things like they're very. A lot of them were auditory, and a lot of them were very abstract. The, the dreams that I'd have didn't involve monsters generally, but they were all they all dealt with like sounds and and just things that would just explode. I felt like I was being electrocuted, or I was like permeating membranes in the of, of my house through these walls and things. And to a large degree, I mean, I guess the tone of that affected a lot of. I suppose maybe maybe that affected more of my musical taste later on. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's it's it's. Kind of, that's the age where you see a lot of those night terrors and stuff. Um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess and, so. And but I, I did seminars where you would, they would record people because I worked as a sleep tech for like twenty years. So we, they would record people having these instances where, sure, sitting up and and sh- you know, sh- I've, I've seen people talk about food. I saw a woman conduct an orchestra the entire night. Long, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Oh wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It, 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 um, when we're asleep, it's almost like it's almost like we're living in another dimension. You know, it's like yes. it's, you're, you're, t- you're taking on a completely different life. I had a dream last night that uh, Jennifer and I were badass ninjas having to save somebody. <laughs> from well, I tell you, it's it's really. I mean, it's my experience that a lot of people they they want to make it into something mystical or spiritual. Sure, and it and. Right. Anatomically, your dreaming is just—it's a—it's dimethyltryptamine making you right. It's a—it's a chemical it's, it's response like, in your brain. Yeah, it's like a yeah. light show that keeps your the the upper part of your brain busy while the b- lower part reboots its software in REM sleep and all that other stuff. That's so why it's so cool if you are able to. Um, just freaking remember your dreams, mm-hmm. you know. I think whatever, yeah. wherever yeah. you draw your inspiration from, that's great. Yeah. Even if it's just a light show in your head. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's uh, uh, it's amazing how influential they are with so many artists, you know. Yeah, oh. I don't know the tone of them actually. There's something about it. I mean, maybe I don't get it so much anymore through the dreaming. But mm-hmm. I remember maybe earlier on in life there would always be this undercurrent of something where. I'd recognize that same uh, feeling through uh, artwork and music, and th- that's why you develop, oh, so, oh yeah, well, I, I like that band, because they do this kind of stuff that reminds me of this dream feeling I had mm-hmm. or whatever. And you're trying to constantly kind of skew the work towards a bit more towards that feeling. And so I guess somewhere in that mix, that's kind of where uh, one's style emerges, I guess. <laughs> uh, do you work to music? Um, I used to. I guess I still do to an extent. I guess I'm listening to more, you know, like podcasts and things at this point. But I used, that was 
always what I used to do. I used to listen to a lot of Igor Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Actually a, lot of, actually, a lot of Stravinsky, I think, got me going on later. Um, it's good that you mentioned that because I was thinking about that today. Uh, why I listen to the shit that I listen to now is because I was always starting to find the music that was meant for me through the music I was listening to. So there was a point when I was playing things at different speeds, back when you had record players where you could do that. <laughs> And um, suddenly you can play the Beatles at a very slow speed. <laughs> and I, that's that's like, oh my God, this is the this is the way this Beatles song was meant for me to hear. Uh, and <laughs> so I put a lot of things that I listened to through that filter of like, yeah. and lo and behold, a lot of the music I listen to sound these days sounds a hell of a lot like. Well, <laughs> <don't you> <laughs> hey, I I still stand by that. If you take the forty-five of Stevie Nicks "Stand Back" and you play it at, 30, <laughs> at thirty-three, uh, yeah, it's this real bassy tenor guy going like real seductive. It's very fun. <laughs> One of my well, favorites. Yeah, go, go, go ahead, Paul. No, just saying. It, it made it, it, I actually used to say it sounds like monster movie music. It's really <laughs> Well, I remember remember when somebody released that slowed down version of Dolly Parton doing Yeah, and there's a Justin oh Bieber God. thing. That yes. But the Bieber thing's amazing. Yeah. Oh my God, it's the most beautiful ethereal track you can imagine. It's yeah. the only I, way I want to listen to that guy. I know, me too. I know, I remember I listened to it on a loop like last year at a certain point. A friend of mine introduced it to me, and this is astounding. I like to think of like uh, uh, Les Mord, like throwing shit around his studio. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> is this how easy it is? God damn it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love Les Mord too. Actually, yeah. I had the pleasure of meeting and uh, talking with him a few, few years ago at a party or something. It was one of those things where... We just got thrown together, you know. So I, I met him before briefly at Jordy Shell's, and then uh, there was uh, my friend Stephanie's party, birthday party. He was there, and another friend of mine said, "Oh, here's uh, Paul. Here, I meet Brian Lusmore. And here's his wife too. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, have a good time." And it was sort of like, "Oh, um, um yeah, <laughs> yeah." Okay. But I was able to kind of break the ice and say, "Oh, by the way, I think I, I remember seeing your name. You were you were attached to the SBK License Try album." <laughs> and was, oh, I'm impressed. And then we got off and running, and it was it was pretty damn cool. Wow. I'm really interested in finding out when, you know, um, in, in, and I use this term uh, not in a bad way. When does this weird kid who <laughs> draws weird shit um, become a professional artist? How does that happen? Um, that was a again a, a rather strange uh, trajectory because I you know, I'd been to art school, um, school of visual arts in the era, in the mid eighties. I was like there eighty four to eighty eight, um, and at that point I think I still had uh, the idea that I was going to be going into comics at the time. Uh, and later, uh, even through this the process of going to school, then suddenly the sculpting thing came back at me in full force, and before I know it, I was in a in a bit of a more it was a bit. Mm, it wasn't as straight as much of a straight line as I, I had perhaps imagined, but uh, it was sort of a, you know, I came into it kind of obliquely. This whole thing of getting known, I suppose, because I would soon work for. Um, There's a company called um, Broadcast Arts, which did a lot of stop motion work in um, in New York. That I did some work for. Um, I was working with um, uh, Voltaire. In oh. Fact, uh, yeah, I was, I was helping yeah. Uh, fabricate, like, stop motion. Again, the whole stop motion thing is there. And I was helping out with uh, creating sculpting characters and things with them for, for on and off uh, for uh, a few years. That too. makes sense. Were you doing the, some of the MTV bumpers that he did? Yeah, yeah. I, I can't, unfortunately, right. I can't 
after the Hermes Bosch one, but there's one he did with this. It's this great. Um, almost like a ballroom with this this crow king, and uh, there's this executioner that appears. Yes. In the oh my yeah. god. Wow. Yeah. So that was a fun one. I saw photographs of some of the old Sculpey era of sculptures being <laughs> fabricated for that particular. Uh, he spot. did a he did a thing for CBC about um, it had to do with a goth club. That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, wait. I think, I think yeah, I the, vamp- the guy dressed up as a vampire, he literally has like a Ben Cooper cape on. <laughs> and he, he walks up to a girl and he goes, what's up? And his his fangs fly out of his they mouth fall. into her drink. <laughs> oh, my God. Voltaire is so funny. And I love oh what he's God. doing now. Yeah. I'm like, if I'm, I remember, this is like a going back a few years, and it's one of those pivotal moments. I remember... One time I just randomly ran into Voltaire one day on the street, and I remember we just hung out at his place on Ludlow at the time, and he was playing me a demo tape of the music he was experimenting with, and uh-huh. uh, and that's kind of where it all began, pretty much, and, yeah. was, uh, and obviously things took off in a, in a big way for him since that point. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm curious about, how did you get, was it just a, a you had a sculpture and sideshow had a venue or did they start coming to you and say hey we see your sculpture and we want you to work for us I guess this was after a few years of me being like I guess I was known through doing some action figure work here or, or some film work there and I kept in touch with those guys particularly with a gentleman named Anthony Mestis uh, who was trying to get me over to uh, do some work for them and that's pretty much how it happened it was just communicating online it was a lot of a lot of um uh, the things that are happening now are I, I can attribute a lot of that to social media interaction you know it's like okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's cool uh, we'd love to have you work for us and, and it sort of happened sort of it's happened sort of organically and actually it was um, my friend Simon Lee uh, was um, I went with him he was the first person that we went over to um, Sideshow together and that was back in 2009 I think and uh, yeah that, that's that's where, kind of where we got talking because I came into L.A. Again, it was sort of odd and uh, almost on the underground. I was, it was one of those times when uh, I had a friend who was going to put me up at this place, and I said, okay, let's get, just get me over there. I'll figure out what the hell I'm doing once I get there. Right. And so I, I came into um, I was, I was living in my friend's uh, guest house, and no one knew who I was in town, really. Um, and gradually I had to put my fuelers out and say, hey, guys, I'm looking for stuff. And the problem is the uh, recession had just crashed down on everyone that year, and so no one was working. Right. But uh, managed to you know maintain doing odd jobs here and there. I was doing a lot of like uh, I was painting prototypes. I was uh, uh, doing design work, um, things of that nature. Then gradually things began to pick up and uh, did some work for Sideshow. Did a Jason Voorhees uh, statue for them. Mm. And I remember to the day I sent the last part, piece of that off um, to them. Then I got a call from Jordu Shell. And uh, he, he's telling me, um, uh, Paul, I'm uh, over here at ADI and talking to Mr. Alec Gillis, and we're going to be working on the prequel to The Thing. And uh, we'd love to get you on here as, as, uh, as a designer, and so uh, Alec will be contacting you shortly, and uh, we'll get things going. And that's pretty, I mean, no, here I am. I'm, this is, I'm on vacation uh, or what, what have you back, back east in my parents' place for Christmas and all that. And I had to turn in like a bunch of drawings, uh, the thing creature drawings, to get their um, to their bidding <laughs> at the top at that point. So there it was, back in my back in the basement where I did a lot of stuff when I was a kid, you know, just scribbling away and just trying to get the stuff out before New Year's. Right. Uh, not thinking that we'd actually get it, but then as soon as I flew back to L.A. and I uh, got a call from Alan Gill saying, uh, "Paul, we got the gig," and uh, that's how that got started. <laughs> I just imagine 
Christmas at the Komodos. What, what are you working on, Paul? <laughs> First of all, that was an excellent Jordu show <laughs> impersonation. Yeah, he's got a very uh, uh, unique personality. And, he does. Uh, he does. He will leave an impression. I don't know if he's still doing. He he was doing a podcast for a while, and it was uh, fucking yeah, hilarious. Yeah, I was really, uh, I'm really enjoying it. I yeah, yeah. I don't know if he still is or not, but uh, I haven't seen anything in a while. But it was it was awesome. Um, yes. Uh, when you um, when you started, well, okay, so so. You started doing sideshow work um, back in what? Uh, what did you say? So two thousand nine. Yeah, um, but there was something a year or two, or maybe a couple years ago, that fucking, <laughs> in my opinion, blew the doors off of uh, collectible work, and that was Swamp Thing. Oh, I, dude. Yeah. Oh my it's gosh! It's really beautiful. I, I was just watching a video where you were sitting down with the sideshow people going over it, and it's just oh it's yeah, just beautiful. Yeah. You know, I saw it's, it's still very it's still a very recent thing in my head, I guess, like that because yeah. it's, the way it goes is like you'll get the uh, um, the words of hey look we want to see some sketches and here's what we're thinking of and at the time anyway when I started it uh, it was pretty much a given that someone else was going to be sculpting it. Uh, so I'm like, oh, that's cool. Um, I'm I'm more than happy to design this thing because obviously it's one of my favorite characters ever. So um, I set about like just doing a series of designs, and you go back and forth and back and forth, and finally one gets approved, and boom, and then I do full illustration, and uh, and you kind of get kind of get that signed off. And I remember this was that was in October of 2016, and um, all I remember is December of. 2016. Um, what am I saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2016. Sorry. Um, then I got the call from my friend Anthony outside. She was saying, "Hey, Paul, how would you think about sculpting the swamp thing?" I'm like, uh, "Give it to me." Done. Yeah. Just, just, just give it to me. I'll, I got this. It's just, so, it's yes, just it's, beautiful. There's I, so much there. It's yeah. Like, it's, I it's, I remember back when Laura was first showing us your stuff. I remember. Um, is it what's her name? Claire from Hellraiser Two. Oh, oh, um... There was a uh, statuary Julia. that was done... Julia. Of, yeah, of that. yes, yes. Oh, my God. That was back in the Netherlands. Oh, it was so beautiful. Right? It was so beautiful. And then also the Vincent Price ring that you that you had oh, done. Oh, dude. Yeah that's, uh, yeah, that's waiting to find some kind of further manifestation. I've got a wax of the thing that I just uh, refined for, for molding and casting. I just have to find the time to actually get that into production. Yeah, so beautiful. that brings up something. i got to ask you. Yeah. Ernest Borgnine... My <laughs> <laughs> spirit animal, dude. I like. I look so at those good. sketches and I'm just like, oh my god. Well, first of all, I I love that you're recognizing that this man's face is an artist's dream. Oh my god, yeah. If you see him in um, Emperor of the North Pole, it's oh. you know, so he looks good. like an oni or something. It, it's like the face is <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just evil incarnate in some of those shots but um, yeah and I've been sort of remiss in my Borgnine duties this year in fact I was talking to my friend Justin Humphreys about the fact that I really need to uh, get on a Borgnine for 2018 so um, so one is forthcoming have you seen what uh, Sienkiewicz is doing now this year about everyone that passes he does a real quick sketch of them really oh, it's, it's no, very, I, 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 
not seen this. I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. In yeah, fact, it's, it's very cool. interesting that you mentioned him because I just met for the first time Bilton Cabbage last week. Uh, or, yeah, he was really? visiting so, And all the, oh, whoa. Yeah, it was one yeah. of those things. Uh, I was just like, oh, well, um, ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's another guy that, that just, it's just... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And yeah. uh, But that brought up something in, in, for me. Uh, um, you know, Ernest Borgnine, Vincent Price, um, you you like to do these studies of people and yeah, yeah. and I was wondering uh, um, Lulu um, yes. I, I was wondering if uh, you know, is, it, is, it, is it about the way they look is it about you, you know like are you a big fan or yeah, yeah I guess a bit of both you know I just found that uh, I uh, get attracted to certain I, I guess uh, certain appearances or certain personalities and uh, and they just send, and again, they tend to embody something, and it's that weird abstract of like I don't know what it might be, but it mm. does tie into that sort of dream feeling of of um, just trying to find some kind of expression through through these uh, through these characters and things. And I, I find that um, you know, certain personalities like that tend to embody that kind of thing for me. Remember the the line, the Sunset Boulevard. You know, back then we had faces, right? And exactly. there, and it's, I, <laughs> you know what I mean. There's, for me, there's a there's an old woman in Key Largo that's in, only on screen for a minute, but every time she comes on, I'm just like, Ugh, yeah. that's a there's a whole book there. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. you know what I think of as soon as you say that. You know what I think of is, and this is completely different and yet the same. Mm. The old man that's in the. Um, Enter <laughs> where you see him in right. Like, oh, it's just like oh my god! Yeah, god like yeah. give me, like I, I, I want that face uh, to draw forever. You know, you could spend yeah, you could spend hours. Yeah, there are faces like that I want to sculpt too. It's like another one that I've always wanted to uh, do a portrait, a sculptural portrait of is William Burroughs. Uh, so I've been yeah. drawing them for a while. I've always wanted to do a serious study of them at some point. So, so that's something on my on my short list of characters to to realize uh, wow. sculpturally, or just do drawings of them. You know. I know. Well, I I I know we're in our yeah we're we're, we're closing we're down here shortly, but I, there's a couple, <laughs> so there's the a couple of things. <laughs> yeah, and they got spikes on them. So um, <laughs> I hope you come back because there's so much more to talk about. But I almost at the end, we've yeah, we've uh, we've scarcely scratched the surface of things. But yeah, exactly, most, most definitely. Um, I know one thing that uh, uh, I wanted to to bring up, and I know Tom wanted to bring up, was your um, friendship with Axel. Yes. Um. I, again, a lot of that has been coming up in the last few years since. Obviously, you know, practically passed on earlier than uh, we wanted him to. But, um, yeah, it was one of those chance meetings. I was um, at a show in, the, in, New, in New York, still going to school, Psychedelic Solution on 8th Street, which was uh, an incredible gal. I don't even know if it's still there, but it didn't feature a lot of people from, you know, that era, you know, where there was like, a lot of Zap comic artists. In this case, it was a Zap comic artist. It was uh, Victor Moscoso. And uh, my friend Mark Sunshine said, you know, said, called me up about the show, and so we went up there. And it's on second floor. And all I remember, I was just kind of taking it all in, kind of taking the whole, you know, the whole gallery and all the people that were in it. And my friend, he's like, dude, look at that guy's rings. And I look over, and I see these fucking things. They're like these bird beaks with these human, glittering human eyeballs in them and these skulls and these... And, and they're immense, and they're curling around his wrist practically. 
and he's this little wizardy looking guy. I'm like, oh, that's pretty spectacular. Holy shit. And it was just kind of like, again, through um, this bizarre interaction with these people that I knew from other things. There was this, uh, this very tall, sourman-looking character with white hair and a suit uh, named Adam Alexander, who I'd seen at, like, uh, and there was one time when Robert Crumb was speaking at, at SBA, and he was there with his, with his then-girlfriend, uh, you know, their later wife, uh, Leslie Sternberg. And um, somehow I got to talking with him and um, showing him my artwork, and I was like, "Whoa, well, you, we ought to we ought to introduce you to Axel. Uh, yeah, he's, he's the guy <laughs> with the rings over there, and I think uh, you, I think you've got some overlapping sensibilities, and I think uh, that you, it would be a, um, a mutually beneficial uh, thing if you if, if, uh, if you showed him your stuff." And so I, you know, I, I was like, "I'm this little scared little kid, and I'm going over to uh, this crazy guy with these crazy rings and." And um, showing them my stuff, and I was like, "Oh wow, yeah, you know, this is great." And Axel's got this voice this way, and he was like, "Oh yeah, you know what? I'm looking for an apprentice, and uh, I, I, um, yeah, just look me up, man." And so he gives me this flyer, uh, you know, this little excerpt from from um, High Times magazine's article about him, and uh, it was like one of those things where it was like a, maybe a month or so, a couple of months passed, and I thought, "What have I got to lose? I was going to get kind of disillusioned with art school." And one day I called him up, and he was like, oh, no, yeah, yeah, come on down, I'm on ninth Street. And, um, and all I can say, it was the most, one of the most singularly magical experiences of my life, going up to this wizard's den, so to speak. And there's his room, and uh, there's his, he's got a bird, he's got a cockatoo, and it's a really nice apartment. And he's got all of these beautiful wax castings of bird skulls and monkey skulls and insect parts and crabs and this beautifully colored translucent waxes. And it's just dazzling, and um, and I'm literally speechless because I'm you know I'm kind of new to all this stuff, the art world, in a sense. And of course, the first thing I ask is, "Oh, you done high?" I'm like, uh, <laughs> I- "I've been known to partake," <laughs> uh, which is maybe not the best idea in the world because suddenly it just clammed me up. I'm just like, you know, after the first inhalation, I'm just like, uh, "Yeah, where the hell am I? What am I doing here?" <laughs> what is all this? Stuff? Everything's staring at me. There's eyeballs everywhere. I've <laughs> I'm just imagining this neurotic cockatoo in a room surrounded by the skulls of its brethren. <laughs> Any day maybe now, that, man. Yeah, unfortunately, the bird did get a little crazy uh, uh, over the years, and so maybe that's something to do with it. <laughs> oh my god! But it was like, it was really it was my first um, kind of like I, I guess if I had to kind of like pull back from it a little bit, it was my first real meeting with someone of a like mind in that sense, because before it was. Yeah. Yeah, you meet people that draw, you meet people that, you know, roughly the same kind of stuff, but this is the first time I really thought, felt I met, here's a kindred spirit. Right. And this is a person who's been around a hell of a lot longer than I have, and he's got all this life experience, and so it, it was literally, you know, kind of like meeting you know, your, 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 <laughs> your, your sensei, it's your fucking, uh, the, 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 the wizard that will instruct you for, into or induct you into the realms of the beyond. There's always uh, that, right, where you people go, oh, oh, they look at your work and they, oh, you got to meet so and so, right, right, and then you meet so and so, and it's like these are landscapes. <laughs> it has nothing to do with <laughs> right, what right, I do. Right, right, right. So yeah. I imagine <laughs> no. finding someone like Axel like that would have been like coming home. What's the That's old the old record? Um, twin sons of different mothers or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah no, it, it really was that. It was sort of like, I just felt like he was like an extension of where my head was at at the time anyway. Sure. Uh, and, it's, li- uh, it's, like, uh, it's like meeting um, Bruce Bickford. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. Bruce Bickford, he's a, yeah, love, love, love his work. Yeah, and it's like, it, when you go, you know, to his house, you don't know, you know, you know his work, right? But you don't yes. know him. Yeah. And then when you, when you get there, it's, it's both, I don't know, it's both amazing <laughs> and sad at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> In a way, because... Oh, I believe me, I know that feeling too. <laughs> well, yeah, because uh, yeah. You, because you know the work, and then and then you go into the garage, and there's just like literally decades of work on these shelves, wow. and then you like you know you're trying to do an interview or something, and all he wants to do is glue these sticks together. Right. You know that's right, right, what right, he's right. about right now, and 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 it's oh. uh, it's amazing and. Boggling at the same time, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, no, I, I can only imagine. Yeah. Well, do you know? Do you know the the work of George Hyam? I do, and it's a funny thing. I remember again back in the uh, the days in the nineties when I was with this company called Netherworld. Um, George Hyam was he was part of the mix in a strange way. And the guy who ran the company had a catalog that would carry a lot of stuff. I remember seeing. Um, because where I used to work in McGraw Hill in New York City, right on that same block was uh, the Magical Child um, that, um, that that store that sold all manner of occult paraphernalia. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, and there was one of his um, sculptures. It was a severed hand holding a little beetle skull. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, who is doing that? That's fucking amazing. Yeah, so um, don't think that, I think I met him once or twice. Yeah, I, think, I don't know what he's doing now. I, I, I talked to him on Facebook maybe a couple of years ago. I met him through Leela at. Westgate in New Orleans. Oh, yeah, wow, wow. Yeah. yeah, he did that big golem that was in there. They had this... I mean, I haven't seen that. I'll have to check that out. Oh, my God, it's it's made it's made from grave dirt and bones. <laughs> yeah. I'll, send, I'll send you some stuff That's on it. That's awesome. It's oh wild. It's really yeah, wild. Yeah, yeah. Um, One thing that I wanted to ask you about, Paul, yes. is uh, uh, you do a lot of mashups with people. You do. Yeah, and in fact, that's one of my favorite things to do. I think it keeps me sane on lots of levels, the whole idea of this random weirdness, and maybe it comes from the Burroughs thing as well, but the whole idea of just collaborating with someone uh, and just doing things like it's with corpses, or uh, or in the case with uh, my friend um, uh, Stanislav, um, or Stan Darkhart as he's known, um, then he has a very loose drawing style that's still very precise, and I'll take one of those drawings and I'll do something. Well, I'll do something in my own style over that. Right. And uh, and the results have been. I just I just love that. And it's taken even lately. It's been taken even further. A friend, of, a mutual friend of, of both of ours, um, this incredible artist named uh, Dominic Hailstone, has been taking some of our alien xenomorph drawings that we've both jammed on, and it's like added a third element to that, layered over uh, what nice. we've done. By the way, this entire show, you've been. Saying names, <laughs> and I'm over here just like exploding, like my hands are going in the air. I'm like, ah, Dominic Hellstone. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious if 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 someone were to come to you with just oh a God. big bag of money and said, "Here, make make a film." What would it be? What would it? Uh, I've often it's a good question. Uh, what actually turn? Uh, what would actually come from that? But I've often, like, uh, have jokingly, not have jokingly, said that whatever would come out of it would probably be this bizarro hybrid of of uh, David Cronenberg and 
uh, Russ Meyer as seen <laughs> through the vision of a Shiro Honda, uh, something of that nature. Um, yeah, I could imagine. Oh I my God! Yeah, I think so often the people who need to be in control aren't, and mm, I, yeah, and, and I think you're one of those. I think you're one of those guys, man. But I'm saying that from a selfish standpoint. I want to see <laughs> I know, a Paul Komodo film. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's repetitive again. You know, that's like just the whole thing. I mean, I'm all about storytelling, and what kind of stories these are, I don't know. I mean, maybe someone else might have a better, more objective idea about actually looking at what I'm doing, but uh, that's kind of where things are heading. Because uh, obviously I've got recurring characters. I've got uh, my little uh, creature character, Berthold. He's uh, a washy little froggy guy with eye stalks. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that because you've got him, you've got, and I, and I apologize, I, I can't remember her name, but the um, the latex-clad punk girl. Oh, that's probably Courtney. That she's oh. the one. She's the one with the black hair. Then there's Juniper Fusion. She's the one with the uh, the white or blonde hair. With the See, dogs. you've got this whole kind of world going, and and I feel like there should be a graphic novel or you know. It's, and yeah, gotta find some kind of manifestation because, like I said, uh, well, maybe I didn't say it. But um, you know, I love the work I'm doing right now uh, for, for for whoever. But um, underneath it all, there's this thing that's been boiling, and that I've been trying, and that's what I'm trying to push into prominence, I suppose. And that's kind kind of where the I guess the uh, the up the rest of my life has been heading in the last few years, of just trying to get these at least these characters known and seen, and uh, so there is some kind of um, momentum built up, and it seems that seems to be building up on a certain level. People have been more curious and have been asking about them, and I'm like. Well, I guess we'll find out. Um, I'm going to keep on pushing it, and uh, hopefully something uh, erupts into some sort of bizarre mutant life. I have to, before we run out of time, I have to, because I promised my partner that I would ask you about Impy and guinea pigs <laughs> in general. Oh, guinea pigs. Yeah, well, guinea pigs started, I, mean, I don't know, when I became obsessed with them was... I knew they existed, but this was back in the third grade. I had to sleep over my friend Peter Mason's house, and he had him having a huge cage full of all these little white guinea pigs. And something about the little burbling sounds they made and the big high-pitched squeaks they made when they were happy or alarmed just instantly caught my heart. And there was something about that that just persisted. And I drew them, and I talked about them all the time to the point where my, uh, my mom finally got us a bunch of guinea pigs, me and my brothers, and they're these charming little beasts. And, um, you know, unfortunately, kind of short-lived back then. We didn't really know what we were doing. <laughs> but years and years passed. I'm talking, like, way into my years in New York and into Philadelphia. I started drawing guinea pigs again. I kept thinking about those things. And uh, to the point where I was watching YouTube videos of them and all that. And then it came to the point when I first moved to L.A. And I was kind of couch surfing and all that. Finally wound up at this place in Woodland Hills. And... Um, or my friend Nadia calls me up and says, Paul, do, do, do you want a guinea pig? Uh, my friend Meredith, she's going to be moving to New Zealand, and she can't keep her guinea pig. And was asking me if maybe you wanted uh, one because uh, we know that you're into them. I'm like, uh, sure. And so uh, we went to um, get this little guy named uh, Ingmar Superstar, and it all came back. It all flooded back. And oh my God. And I kept thinking, oh no, I don't have a cent to my name. I just moved here. Uh, this poor creature has no, been entrusted to me. He's going to die within a week. He'll be, he'll be Ingmar in a jar. I don't want that. <laughs> he'll be able to scorpions and all the, all the little creatures and the, and the, and the snakes and the, the, the solifugids. 
And um, something kicked in. I, you know, suddenly there I was going to Ralph's every day, getting tons and tons of vegetables and uh, making sure her water was there. I mean, it was the heat. Making sure his water was there. And um, you know, all the veggies were taken care of. And year went by, and I was like, oh, Ingmar, you're not in a jar. I love you. And so it sort of became, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely Dude, do. they're like they're like a ball. They're tribbles. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're tribbles. They're, they're like little blobby little fur blobs with uh, with a face on one side and uh, with these wonderful sounds and uh, this little uh, this little mouth. The mouth is most fascinating. We, my, a friend and I call it the pink Cheerio. <laughs> it's just this <bizarre> little <laughs> rubbery looking thing. It looks like a prosthesis or something. Dude, have you seen the video of the two guinea pigs sitting together? One of them is just like eating, mowing on this piece of lettuce, and the other one is like having this existential <laughs> crisis. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen several permutations of that video. Oh my <laughs> god, guys are killing me. It's amazing. <laughs> what are you working on now? Uh, let's see. What am I? What am I working on right now? There's a couple of things that uh, I guess I can't really reveal ah. because it's still the process of finishing them up. I can, I'll, I'll just say I just came back from Sideshow, working mm. on a very uh, a large piece that um, I'm, I'm going to pass the first stage of it and it'll be coming back at me in some form for me to refine and clean up. And I'm going to be mostly working lots of, on lots of Sideshow stuff um, for for the foreseeable future this year anyway. Right. Um, but uh, a couple of things, like I did some stuff for, um, uh, there's some sculptures I did for a Japanese company called Acro, uh, where they released some kaiju-related things, and I just turned one in uh, earlier in the year, and so that's going to find some manifestation somehow, and um, there's that. And in other, in other uh, news, I guess um, I'm working on a website with my dear friends uh, Lee Moyer and Benicia, they're in Portland, and uh, I've been, we've been kind of corresponding, and they're getting this wonderful site ready for me. So, paulcomoda.com will be a reality fairly soon. Nice. Hopefully. Yes. Nice. Me, nice. we, we, no, wait. Go ahead. <laughs> I know, I know we got to go, but there's a couple of things. Go ahead. Quick. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, you have such an amazing, large volume of work, but I have to mention a couple of things. One oh, is, sure. One is the Swamp Thing um, sideshow piece. Yeah. The other one is something that's been around for a while, and that is the Nova Express. Oh my God! Resin kit. Oh my! Yeah. Oh my <laughs> God! That was the first thing. I did something for a movie a while back, a few years ago, and this is how I learned about you. Tom goes, "Hey, that looks like something my friend Paul Komoda would do," and then yeah. like, I'm unfamiliar with the name, and and then. He sent me a link, and then it was like, oh, my God, like this, I don't know this man, but he is my <laughs> hero. Um, I also wanted to briefly mention, um, you're like Dick Smith, in a way. Oh, well, that's, uh, um, um, well, here's, that's an, I'll, I'll take the comparison. Okay, okay, <laughs> well, here's what I mean. Um, some guy contacts you out of nowhere. Um, and uh, that guy being me, and ask you, hey man, I have this problem on this particular art piece, or I, I don't know what I'm doing here. And you are so generous. Oh, thank you. So I willing to try uh, to be uh, whenever I can be uh, to share your knowledge, and and that's amazing, and that's a yeah, wonderful a quality. 
Oh, thank you. Because I think that's where it all comes together. It's like after a certain point, you just want to be able to give back on whatever level you can. And it's just being able to, like, say, okay, well, I've accrued, like, this freight of knowledge over the years of doing these things, then, uh, damn it, then I'd love to be able to articulate, be in a position to articulate that as clearly as I can. It's it's amazing, and I, and I just wanted to tell you personally, thank you. I, oh, well, I, thank I, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so much left Dude, here. Dude, I, I, we like, haven't talked about the Cthulhu thing. We haven't talked about... We haven't talked about what Cosmic gangsters, Horror. We the shiplets are. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, the, and also, yeah, um, the um, model kit of Nyarlatha Tap has just been released by I, Get- uh. Yeah, I just <laughs> wanted to... Oh, and it's amazing, Paul. Like, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost like... I'm 90... Five percent done with my kit here. <laughs> you get all these little, like little, little spindly little limbs. I'm it's still fun to watch you build it. I wanted to ask you: Is this the first time that something that you've done has been um, run through the process of being three D printed? Um. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And this thing was uh, sculpted digitally by an amazingly talented sculptor named uh, Daisuke Mata in Japan, and it is my drawing. Uh, as much as they could construe from uh, my, from one drawing that I did right uh, time ago, but it is uh, it's quite, quite magnificent. It's jaw dropping. It is amazing. And uh, aside from aside from your website, um, it's like Facebook and that kind of thing. Instagram. Yeah, yeah, Instagram. yeah I'm on Instagram. Yeah, I'm, uh, Instagram. It's uh, that's been um, been doing pretty well on that actually. It's, nice. Uh, Gotten a lot of um, uh, it's uh, yeah, a, lot, a lot of cool interaction there. Believe it or not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. It's a great way to 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 see other people's stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love it because it's just art and imagery. Yeah. On a purely right. selfish level, Paul, fucking move to Portland. <laughs> <laughs> it tends to come up in my mind sometimes, and people are being kind of persuaded. But we'll see what we'll see what the future brings. Awesome. Right on. Well, at any time. You are welcome back anytime, sir. We really enjoy having you and uh, I want to I'd love to dive into a film with you one day. Oh, dude, I would oh. love Let's, uh, let's, well, we'll we'll, uh, we'll be in touch about that. All right. There's so much. All right. All right. Cool. Thank Thanks you so Paul. much, buddy. Uh, no, thank you. This has been spectacular. All right. Cool. So, um, I'm just stumbling all over my yeah, yeah, yeah. that. It's like just listen. To Tom this. and I have been like the hugest fanboys today. <laughs> We're just like, oh my god, Paul fucking Komoda. So, listen to this. Yeah. There's so much. We didn't talk about Geeker. We didn't talk about 
we didn't talk about so much. Yeah, definitely gonna. Well, yeah, definitely someone that we we need to have back. Yeah, on. absolutely. Uh, let's see. Moving on to some second hour stuff. Um, the Return of the Dead guys. There's three. And the Coates film editor from did Lawrence of Arabia, Elephant Man. She was a big deal. Little little shitty movies that yeah, you know, nobody's paid attention to. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, she got a lot of press because she ta- they talked about again, edu- you know, her role as educator sure. and doing all this really bad yeah. stuff. Uh, uh, wait, Is she passed away. She passed. Okay, that's, that's what I'm saying. The, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. the Return of the Dead guys. <laughs> um, George. George Duke Magian, former California governor from um, 83 to 91, uh-huh. passed. Um, and uh, Ben Graves, a uh, drummer for the Murder Dolls. Wow. Yeah, young. Wow. Fairly young, yeah. Uh, let's see. News and stuff. Bill and Ted 3. Yeah. It's going to happen. Well, Direct- yeah. <laughs> I'm one of those people that's like, it should happen. It should happen. Yeah. And, and the fact that they're the play on it is... Um, uh, they haven't written the song that's going to unite the universe. Right. Be- being directed by a guy who directed Red Two, and he also directed Galaxy Quest. He, the the biggest thing that I keep hearing people talk about is who's going to play Rufus now that George Carlin is gone. Well, my reply to that is, um, you know, we're it's it's in the future. You know, we've gone so many years, and these guys are in their fifties now. Isn't it safe to assume that Rufus passed on? Well, I mean, it, it, yeah. Yeah, I think that it's going to be... It's so easy to put another watcher in his place, or right. whatever the fuck they were called. Yeah. Um, uh, and even to get fun fun with it, you know? Like well, I mean, you, Hasselhoff or yeah, Well, who's, who's not to say that, you know, Rufus might be like Doctor Who? And that yeah, it regenerates. Different, yeah, Very good, exactly. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I they did say that um, William Sanderson was going to come back as death. Yeah. So that's very cool. That is very cool. I just want to hear after seeing Keanu Reeves become the the guy that he is yeah. in the Matrix and John Wick and and, and things like that. I just want to hear that dude say. Whoa, I just again. I feel like it would be fun to employ a little of that. Sure. Like. A little John Wick in the Bill and Ted world. Right? Would it would be fun. Would right, be fun. exactly. Uh, Tenacious D announces The Pick of Destiny 2. My only question is, how did this take so long? Yeah, why not? Yeah. You, like, I, Tenacious D is... I'm going to back up. I went and saw a band called Trainwreck. Doof. And... They were... Uh, who's the other half of Tenacious D? Uh, What's his name? Glass something. No, Kevin Gass. So, yeah. Something like that. So, so Trainwreck was a band... Uh, was his band. And it was fucking amazing. Really? It was one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. It huh. was so funny. Huh. It was hilarious. And I love the sensibility that that guy brings to this material. Okay. Jack Black, we know, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. we, he's going to be this like. Wah! Although a lot's changed for Jack Black since even the first Tenacious D movie. Now he's in, he's got Goosebumps money, he's yeah. got Jungle or Jumanji money, dude. You know, I, so despite what a lot of people say, I thought he was a perfect Carl Denham. Oh, in, in King, Kong. King Kong. Yeah, I sure. loved it. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Um, a lot of Tenacious D 
a lot of that stuff whizzes by me. I, I don't find that a lot of that funny. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, anyone who puts Ronnie James Dio in a movie... Fuck yeah. I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I'm absolutely. sure I'm in. Dave Grohl's the devil. Dave Grohl, yeah. 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 Yep. Um, we talked about, uh, Mark, last week, Mark Wahlberg's Six Million Dollar Man. Yeah. Well, it, needs, it lost its director. <laughs> it doesn't need to happen in the first place. I, you know, I just first think of it's... All, go ahead. Six million dollars? No, I think it's like six billion dollars I was going to say, that's going to buy you a toenail. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But I think it's um, it's one of those things that for some reason somebody in an office decide decided that this needs to happen, and I just don't know that it does. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you know uh, because at the same time that the six million dollar man was on, um, at least in the early years of the six million dollar man, so was Kung Fu, mm-hmm. and I'm waiting for somebody to 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 do sooner that sooner or later. Yeah, sooner or later I could see it happening. Yeah. Um, especially and with the success of this TV show, Into, Into the, the West. Badlands? Into the Badlands. I always say Into the West. I don't know why. It's funny because, well, because of the classic Chinese tale, Into the West. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's funny. Um, Jennifer and I both, like, are all the time looking at commercials for that, and we're like, this should, I should, I, be, I should be all over this. Yeah. And yet... Never seen it. Something is keeping me from it, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, no, no, no. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I just don't think that more and more nostalgia isn't enough to to carry the day. Right. You know, and and in the end of the day, you have to deliver a good film. The only way... And not just rely, lean so heavily on everyone's fond memory. The only way that I think that that, that, that a $6 million man reboot could really work is if you go the route that Westworld has done. Mm. Where it's like, you've got this little idea... And now you just go, and you blow it up, and and you make it something far more than it originally was. Yeah, you got to do something, because just a straight play of it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work anymore. No. So, uh, Santa Clarita Diet just got a third season. The second season just dropped on the Netflix, and... um, uh, People really loved that show. People really liked that show. And I didn't know that it was such a comedy. I thought it was supposed to be a little more straight with comedic elements, but this looks like a straight up farce and slapstick and yeah. mom's eating people and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um a bunch of castings involved in Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Ca- um in Hollywood. Dropped, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt were already on it. Right. Now we've got Burt Reynolds, Kurt Russell, which makes sense. Right. Timothy um Roth Tim Roth, Timothy Oliphant, and Michael Madsen yeah. have been added in small parts. And yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Sure. This sounds like he's gathering his team together. Yeah. The people that he uses before with that a he couple one-offs. Comfortable, uh, comfortable with. Tar- and Tarantino's words in Burt Reynolds' mouth are going to be awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they really are. Um, you know, it's easy to kind of, um, if, if if you're of a certain age... To hear Burt Reynolds and kind of go, you know, <laughs> Burt Reynolds was a man, dude. Once upon a time, dude. To anybody who doesn't get it, watch Deliverance. Yeah, like, I, it's like, yeah. If if you're only if you're only um, exposure to Burt Reynolds is Smokey and the Bandit, mm-hmm. you don't know. You There's have so no much idea. other stuff. Yeah, I mean, 
uh, one of my favorite Burt Reynolds films is Best Friends with Goldie Hawn. Yes. It's a nice little rom-com. Um, the End is really funny with Dom DeLuise. Oh, it's so good. It's good stuff. Um, and then you and get then to stuff like, work, like fucking Sharky's Machine. Oh, and Jesus. He's the man. Um, this new Adam Rifkin film looks really good um, that he's in. Uh, Laika's Next, Missing Link. Dude! Looks good. It's So I'm so excited because um, uh, Travis Knight, the CEO had gone to go do this live action Bumblebee movie and I thought oh my god mm-hmm. this is it like it's like it's it's all going to be over my friend who works at Leica um left Leica and started working for a company that was doing like uh, I think they're uh, stick blocks or something like that stop motion mm. and uh and then kind of out of the blue here comes this announcement. My friend's back at Leica. I'm so excited for this. Yeah, it looks. It looks. I don't know anything about it. They just showed one image, but it looks like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll it's watch like that. A, it's a missing link story. Right. Yeah. Uh, Sherlock Holmes three officially announced. If anyone cares, With Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law. You know what's funny is that I loved. I love that first movie. Mm-hmm. I, I adore it. Um, the second movie. I, I have a hard time remembering anything. Yeah, I don't remember you know? a damn thing about it. There was um, some shit on the br- I remember on a bridge, and then yeah, yeah, after yeah. that, yeah. you lose me. Yeah. Um, Brad Dourif was at Texas Frightmare while we were at Crypticon, right? And they they were talking about this. Up, they're doing a child's play TV series. I guess that's good news to somebody. Okay, somebody will like that. Yeah. Um, there's a guy Ken Jong. He was the Asian man in The Hangover. The gangster yeah. at the end. Yeah, yeah. He's a real life doctor, uh-huh. and um, uh, he was doing a stand up show, and someone had a seizure in his odd in the audience, and he leapt off the stage and saved the guy's life. Wow! That's yeah, that's awesome. very cool, that's right? Very cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, remember the Hitman's Bodyguard, the Ryan Reynolds, Sam Jackson movie from about six months ago? Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's going to be a Hitman's wife's bodyguard. Okay. Which I'm sure is going to be partnering them with someone. Uh, It was funny. Is it me, or is it, like, like I just don't, like, I don't, I don't know. If if something's not epic anymore, and, like, I just don't know how these, I just don't know how these things, like, you look at that Hitman's Bodyguard, and you just go, Given that I'm Samuel L. Jackson, and given that I'm Deadpool now, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, and well, it's like when you see, my head. Speaking of Keanu Reeves, you know, it's like he's got these like oh I know gigantic things, and then in between he like shows up in like some shitty little movie. And so what was that the thing about the girls that knock on the door? Knock knock, knock, or knock. whatever it was. What are I'm you thinking? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Stallone talked about Rambo 5 being against Mexican cartels. Yeah, I saw that. Okay. God damn it. Sure, I guess. I think there's there's a better story out there. Absolutely. If there's more gas in the tank, if there's Mm -hmm. gas in the tank, I want to see... I really want to see, and I know it's a gimmick, but I, I really want to see it. I want to see Rocky versus Rambo. <laughs> that's, that's never going to happen. I know, well, it <laughs> should, though. It should. I think, though, that with the end of the fifth, the fifth, whatever the fucking last 
Rambo four, Rambo four, um, him returning home. You know, he there's that long shot of him walking down right. the road. Right. I think you're you could be set up right there. I mean, why do you have to now send him into what Mexico to? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I get it. It, it. Although, you know, when when that movie Rambo mm-hmm. came out, I was just like, there's no way I'm going to watch this. And then I watched it, and it's, I was like, "It's crazy fun!" Holy shit, this is great! They did not give a shit about no. censors on that movie. Oh my god, it was so good! <laughs> it was. So There's a scene in that movie where a guy picks a baby up on a bayonet and throws it into the fire, and you're yeah. like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of what the fuck is going on here, Bruce Willis has been cast to play Customato in a Mike Tyson. Thing, like a biopic on custom auto, <laughs> <laughs> but it's Bruce Willis. Yeah, you know. Ah, uh, no. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not yeah. gonna. I'm not gonna check it. Despite the subject matter, which I really care about. Yeah, I, I think a custom auto bio is an excellent idea. It would be great. And yeah. what do you do? You get a really good actor. Yeah. Who looks like him? Yeah. First of all, and I. I the fact that they are both bald shouldn't be where the you know, casting ended. It's, uh, to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, I'm biased. I'm prejudiced against Bruce Willis. Like I just, I really just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Which, plenty of people that could have been. Oh, like, there's dude. plenty of people. Could you imagine Gary Oldman playing? It would be. It like, would have been like, good. That's what you do, right? Yeah. You don't get. I don't. Yeah, know. I, I don't know. I you don't, don't get know. the moonlighting guy. Um. <laughs> Um, this is kind of weird. Uh, they they announced this. The remember that movie Creep and Creep Two? Yeah. Well, this guy is directing a new movie called Corporate Animals with Sharon Stone. If I'm gonna pitch it, I'm gonna say Severance. Remember Severance? God, I love Severance. Yeah, Severance meets the, an old movie that hardly anyone's ever seen called The Severed Arm. Yes. About, oh. It's about a group of people. They're on their, their a team building exercise, right? And they get trapped in in a cave. And what they describe as casual cannibalism takes place. <laughs> but but it looks kind of interesting. You know, you know, it looks like they're once they're trapped, it's about. You know, you're no longer my boss now, and well, you know that's the great thing about stuff like that, like Severance, is that um, not only are you dealing with the um, the the horror that's happening to you, mm-hmm. you know, as a group, but we have this kind of it's great as a writer because you have this pre-built world. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, we're here at this team building thing, and so automatically we have these hierarchies of like you know the, right. the, the boss and the underlings and and the cool person and the one that's not it, it's kind of a little world built for you mm-hmm. and then you can play with that yeah and tear it apart as you yeah. want roles get reversed we talked about it with John last week about Romarian the yeah. idea of like locking someone into a pressure cooker and right, right. bounce around uh, they cast this is actually interesting they cast John Lithgow as Judd Crandall in the uh, uh, Pet Cemetery. Remake. I think I think that's great casting that's a great cast yeah yeah, yeah. yeah Lithgow absolutely. is is good in everything yeah he's one of those guys that's like if he's involved even if it doesn't look like my type of movie mm. I'll watch it yeah sure yeah. he's always solid um, Guy Ritchie is going to return to British Gangsters in a new movie called Tough Guys T-O-F-F Okay. So I'm yeah. 
do, sure. do that rather than fucking King Arthur or whatever right, exactly. shit you did. Yeah. Um, there's an Indiegogo campaign to put a bust of George Romero in the Romoville, Monroeville Mall. We were talking with John about yeah. um, the, the con there. Um, but they, were, they wanted to put a bust. Um, yeah. Okay. That'd yeah, be I great. Think they should. I, although, um, have you seen some of these public statues that have been erected to people? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they're not that great. I don't yeah, know. Well, that Lucille Ball one. I don't know where they get Yeah, the Lucille Ball one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the David Bowie one sucks. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Even the, even the Bruce Lee one, like, I'm not happy with mm-hmm. it. Uh, oh, the one I, in Hong Kong? Have you seen the Jimi Hendrix one? Yes. See, it's like... Yeah. Uh, yeah I know. You got an art school student to do this stuff. <laughs> Fucking get Paul Komoda to do your goddamn. <laughs> I thought pay to that for yeah. that. Let's see. Um, also, there's a Indiegogo campaign for something called Making Apes, the artists who changed yeah. film. About the guys who did the ma- monkey effects on Planet of the Apes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that really deserves. Um, oh, dude. To be funded. John Chambers' work on that is so influential. So often. Um, pe- like that gets name checked. Like you know, what was your inspiration? Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is Dustin Hoffman in um, Little Big Man right. in the Old Age Makeup by Dick Smith. Right. Um, that happened at Crypticon this this last weekend, mm-hmm. and uh, those two are fucking pillars. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. Um, let's see. I hope that gets funded because I really want. It would be great. I want I mean, that to happen. Absolutely. I and, I and it should happen. I mean, we're documenting everything else. Um, Hulu's commissioned a series, a series based on the sleepover game Light as a Feather. Remember Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board. No. Where you someone sits and you put your fingers under them and you chant and you lift them up off the ground and they're light as a feather. They're doing a series based on this ridiculous thing. This is stupid. It is stupid. Um, backing up for just a second on, on the ape stuff. Mm. Have you ever seen the um, the screen tests that were done with like uh, Charlton Heston and... Uh, I saw an, isn't, didn't Edward G. Robinson do one? Yes! Yes! yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He would have been great. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And the makeup was like so weird because it was like at that point they weren't going for full on apes, uh, so it was like this weird ape man. It's on YouTube, right? Oh, I, I'm sure it is. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing. Um, David Gordon Green, who directed this new Halloween thing that we're going to talk about in a minute, yeah, they, they may do a Friday Night Lights movie based on the TV show. That show will not go away. Yeah, people love that show. Yeah, and I, so. I guess that's good. God bless them, because I couldn't care less. <laughs> it's football. I don't know. Um, there's a petition online to get um, Bill Mosley cast as Freddy, which I think is a terrible idea. That's a horrible idea. Yeah. Bill Mosley is not... The reason why Freddy works is because of England. When he's not doing it anymore, mm-hmm. or, or retires, or whatever... Or, or, you know, God forbid, passes away. That character needs to die. That character well, needs at, to go. Look away. at the Jackie Earl Haley thing with the remake. It was, it just was so misguided. It's horrible. I think some point we have to just admit that, like, a film like Nightmare on Elm Street and all of its thing, all of its uh, sequels, they're products of the time, and yeah. that that time is gone. And as you try to recapture it, you're just not gonna m- be successful. Right. Um, Simon Pegg says he wants to do a Captain Britain film. 
which is a, a thing only, I guess, English people care about. Well, you know, it's it's kind of like um, when Tintin got made. Yeah. Um, I I vaguely remember seeing something when I was a kid, uh-huh. but it was so incredibly. I hadn't gotten to that point in my life where I considered myself an Anglophile. Okay. You know, where I was, like, watching all of this BBC stuff. Sure, and sure, like sure. soaking it all up. And so it was always alien and weird to me. Uh-huh. Um, well, there was a time when, like, Canada goes... Right. Well, we can do, you know, whatever Captain Canada was or whatever it was. The right, Alpha right. Flight or whatever. Right. And then, like, Britain goes, well, we have our superhero, too. And yeah. so... You know, being an English kid, sure, you want to you yeah, yeah, do yeah. Your, your country's Captain America or yeah. whatever. Sure, I guess. But, uh, you know, I mean, it, just the fact that Simon Pegg's wanting to do it will get me to watch. I, yeah. I love that guy. Yeah, and, and it, it almost begs, like, wouldn't it be funny if it was... A, wouldn't it be great if it was a comedy? Speaking of which, um, you know, we were talking earlier about Into the Badlands and how neither of us have yeah. checked us out. I didn't realize Nick Frost is a regular guy on there. Is he really? Yeah, he's a regular character. Yeah, I didn't know that yeah. either. Um, someone stole the original Iron Man suit out of a warehouse. In LA, <laughs> and the cops are all looking for it. That's kind of weird. That's awesome. Um, this is weird. Mark Steven Johnson, who directed the Daredevil movie and the first Ghost Rider movie, is remaking The Changeling. The George C. Scott film. The Odd. Ghost. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that how you get... Well, first of all, First of all, leave that fucking movie alone because it's I know, it's so it's, good. It's so good. It's so perfect. Yeah. Um, and again, this just I, reeks of someone. I love this film. It yeah, looks, uh, but it doesn't mean that you are the one who to to be making it, especially when you've made these two lackluster mm-hmm. um, superhero movies. Yeah, and by their by everyone's admission, those are some of the worst. Right comic book movies so yeah, why yeah. are you going to give and they're all action so why are you going to give them what is it, essentially a, uh, a well the studio s- probably figures nobody cares about the changeling you know nobody except how wrong for they are how hardcore horror fans even know what it is every time that every time I hear it brought up everyone in the room goes yeah well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so uh, remember but that's s- because of the rooms we are in Tom I know it's not the regular room do you remember um, Vincent Natale's splice yeah. Okay, with Adrian Brody. Yeah. That was uh that was one of my uh that was one of my uh um Bleedingham horror tips for survival is don't have sex with monsters. Yeah, you never want to do that. Yeah. Uh but Vincent Natali, Netflix is letting him direct in the tall grass based on the Stephen King story. Oh and that's exciting. That is exciting. You know, a lot of people, there's a few people I know who really shit on Splice, mm-hmm. but it wasn't because of the filmmaking, it was because of the ideas that were yeah. being presented. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of that. You know, yeah. There's, fucking yeah. the Alien is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I think it's a fine movie, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's one of my... I, I dig that design. Yeah, I think the monster in it is great. I also think that the the plot devices, you know... As a friend of mine used to always say, we could have used one more rewrite. Sure. But, you know, right. I think the weight, the momentum of the idea carries it through. So I'm looking forward to that. Yes. Any any of those Lost King stories being yeah. made into films. Margot Robbie pitched an, uh, Margot Robbie, who was Harley Quinn, uh, pitched an R-rated girl gang um, spinoff based on the Bird of Prey books, which I guess is going to happen. R-rated, 
women criminals who are fighting what on the side of yeah I guess it sounds I mean it could be great or it could be really exploitive. I think the only way this gets made is on the strength of Margot Robbie and the fact that Harley Quinn is involved and I think if you want to keep her happy and they s- clearly do they'll probably do this right uh, Rick and Morty just got a renewal for 70 episodes wow 70 wow yeah they are doubling down hard on this stuff um, By the way, Rick and Morty. Yeah, it's fucking. It's genius. so surreal it's and it's so fun. Super fun. Yeah. Um, director Ryan Coogler, who did Black Panther, thinks that a film based on the women of Wakanda would be quote a fantastic idea, and I agree. Yeah, that would be. Super They're kind cool. of doing it though. Um, Lupita Nyong'o and what's her name, Octavia Butler, is that right? Are doing a movie Spencer? based. Octavia Spencer uh-huh. doing um, a, uh, a a film based on uh, African warriors that are all women. Oh, so, cool! Um, yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, Nick Cage and Franca Potenta are doing a, a demonic possession film. Yeah, I want to know how do you tell? Like, if Nick Cage gets possessed, how do you tell? <laughs> <laughs> you know something? That's a guy. That's a guy I would love to interview because I feel like since he got into his what was it tax trouble or mm-hmm. wh- whatever it was that like um, he he went first of all he went from being one of the largest stars to being this guy that's in everything and he, and and kind of people refer to him as a joke now mm-hmm. you know um, as being an over the top actor or whatever and I've not heard. I've not heard jack shit. I've not heard any interviews or anything. All it is is he's working. He's he just working. does. That's all he does yeah. is work. Because I think the press, the press, may have treated him poorly in the past. Yeah. And I think that the guy, he's, he's, I mean, he's a geek clearly with the stuff that he's choosing. Right. right. Um. Like I seem. Like I feel like. I don't get it, but a lot of people love the guy, so I'm going to give yeah. it a well, I, I, a shrug. And like, I just feel like, oh my god, could you imagine if something like Crypticon had Nick Cage? As well, they do that Cageathon at at uh, Alamo in um, at yeah. Fantastic Fest, where they they run a shit ton of Nick Cage movies, and he always comes and visits and says hello. Yeah, uh, Chris Alexander from Fango went to Cage's house and interviewed him at the house. And it said that it was wild. Yeah, uh, I can see, only imagine. Cobra Kai, this new Karate Kid thing on on YouTube or yeah. whatever it is. Uh, uh, YouTube Red, right? YouTube Red, yeah, hugely successful, and they've already greenlit a second season. Well, the trailer that I saw, mm-hmm. I really liked, and and and, yeah. and and I think was. You know, Indic. It was showing me something that was far better than the original movie. Yeah, I think it's much more interesting now. The idea that the the guy you were pulling for, because of his success, is turned into an asshole, turned into a dick, and the dude who you used to hate now is sympathetic. And and watching that dynamic is cool. It was always fascinating to me because I did like those movies, and yet I was keenly aware that these people are not martial artists and, and you, you, you know what I mean and like yeah. you know like as much as you can be at a mall right you know what I mean well yeah. you know although there was some great stuff by Fumio Demura in mm-hmm. that first movie yeah 
doubling for Pat Morita. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, but again, I think the Karate Kid movies are, were very much a product of their time. Um, right. Hence, look at what happened with the Jackie... Jackie Chan couldn't save that remake. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, I don't know. Um, speaking about terrible ideas, Bad Boys for Life has a release date of, get this, January 17th, 2020. <laughs> That's the Martin Lawrence, uh, Will Smith yeah. sequel to Bad Boys. Right. This is collateral to the Jessica Alba Gabrielle Union TV show that's coming called Bad Girls, Girls? maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking terrible. What a terrible idea. And I just want to be there. I think rather than the film, I just want to see Martin Lawrence and Will Smith sitting in their chairs between takes comparing what's up right. <laughs> what they're doing because their worlds are vastly different um G.I. Joe Snake Eyes getting a, his own film god gonna, damn it we're gonna, stop we're gonna, it we're gonna clip through a lot of these John Favreau John Favreau is doing a Star Wars series TV series It's it will take place seven years after the Battle of Endor or between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens well, the only thing, the only reason that that makes me excited is that they're referencing the battle for Endor. Mm-hmm. Um, there were two made-for-television Star yeah, Wars yeah, yeah. things that I adore, uh-huh. probably more than any of the Star Wars films, and that was um, Ewoks uh, Adventure, or whatever it was called. Yeah, something Caravan, and then yeah, there was, and then there was uh, the battle for Endor, mm-hmm. and I. I dearly love both of those things. Well, they have such great work by sure. Phil Tippett in them. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Canceled by Fox. Damn. Picked up by NBC. Bam. Yeah. That's weird. They Fox canceled... I read an article this they, last week. They canceled a whole bunch of yeah, shit, right? Yeah, the article was called Fox Cancels All of Their Best Shows. Like, Lucifer got the axe. Um, Exorcist got the axe. Just... Across the board, they you have to wonder what the fuck. Like, I don't know. They must be clearing their deck for something. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then finally, Mike Myers in an interview said he'd like to do a Doctor Evil centric movie. In my head, I think like Wicked. You know, like Wicked is the right, tale. right. So a sympathetic movie towards Doctor Evil. Really? In my head, I think. Nobody's paid flushing. attention to you for a while, so you need to go back and. Well, do he it. did that Gong Show thing, and no one cared. He yeah, like, no one cared. Yeah, the Gong Show thing. Well, first of all, that was a horrible idea. Horrible idea. It was a horrible idea. Um, you know, after the Austin Powers movies, he did that. Love Guru. Love Guru. Awful. Horrible. Painful to watch that movie. This guy is a—he's a super talented guy. He's a great actor, mm-hmm. and uh, I, toward that end, I'll, I'll reference um, the movie Fifty Four. Yeah. Where he oh, he was great in that. He was amazing. It's got to be that he's up his own ass because look at uh, Dana Carvey, who, right. who's in a lot of the movies with him, but is not that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suddenly, like, has a lot to say or or something. Yeah. Or, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and he also suffers from one of those things where when that like look the he tried to do something fairly straight in Inglorious Bastards, but as soon as he shows up, you start giggling. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, one of the reasons why he needs to be under a lot of makeup sometimes. Maybe, but I think I but you know I think if he did something 
something modest, like let's say a la So I Married an Axe Murder. Right. And it was a solid comedy. By the way, So I Married an Axe Murder is great. great. That's yeah, a great, such a great movie. film. Yeah. Just for his portrayal of his dad is worth the where, price of admission. Where, where I think he screws up is whenever he tries to go over the top. Mm-hmm. And it's just not... It's just not funny. Yeah. You know, it's like... Um, Martin Short can go in that to that same range, yeah. where but Martin Short there's there's a lot of Jerry in there. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah so. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, moving on to trailers, uh, there's a few, so we're gonna clip through these. American Animals. This looks like some teens decide that a local library has some really uh, valuable books and they're gonna steal them. They're gonna steal these very rare books from the library. Yeah. Um, I think the most exciting thing about this trailer is it seems to be, and it seems to be part of the marketing, is that this film is put together differently than other movies. It's it really quirky. Very stylish. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so if I see it, I'll be seeing it for that, not for this heist yeah, I couldn't story. care less about the right. heist or many of the actors, I, but it looked very like this guy's, it's a new perspective. Right. Um, next up was a uh, trailer for the Hulu based or the Hulu series based on the writings of Stephen King called Castle Rock. Yeah, um, we've talked about this a few times because we've been getting like mm-hmm. little teasers like as long as a year or more ago, and uh, I'm on board. I love it. I love that idea because it was already the idea was already there because. The simple fact that Stephen King was writing so much from this one place, mm-hmm. um, it's like it's like Twin Peaks. Yeah, it's the idea that this place has something wrong with it, right. and so so it doesn't matter who you are or what your intentions are. Something horrible is going to happen if you're in this place and you're trying to. And he was the first kind of guy that did that shared universe stuff. Right. So based on that, you'd read a book. And there would be a character from that book, and these two books seemingly have mm-hmm. nothing in common. Right. And then this guy shows up. Mm-hmm. Even if it's only for a minute. Yeah. He's just like, I need a character. Yeah. He's in town. Just Let's the see. fact just the fact that so many things are happening in this one town, this mm-hmm. native town of Castle Rock. And Sissy, Sa- Sissy Spacek in it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're good. I'm, I'm, I'm all ready for it. Um... Uh, Catcher was a spy. Paul Rudd is a World War II spy. Uh, kind of a period piece. Kind of interested. Not too interested. I mean, you know, um, the... Um, I'm, I suppose CIA mm-hmm. um, comes to this guy who's a professional athlete. He's a catcher for a professional baseball team. I have zero idea if this is based on a true story or yeah. not. I don't know. Um Paul Rudd is always likable mm-hmm. in, in pretty much anything he does. Um, I think it's a really cool, interesting idea. I uh, think there's a portion of the population that's going to love this. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I'm the guy. But I don't. I don't know that if I am either. Um, but I, you know, this is the kind of movie that the Academy starts paying attention to. Right. So. We'll or see. at the very least, like Paul Rudd said, I'll do Ant-Man, but I'd like to do something with a little more right. weight to it. Yeah. So Give me that. something with teeth. Uh, next up, a Russian-made sci-fi thing called Fugue. For me, this was more of that, I'm not so interested in what's happening, but I'm interested in the vision that is behind it. Yeah. I... 
Hard to, to honest, tell what's going on. I have no idea what the fuck's going on. I can't right. tell if it's supposed to be scary. I can't tell. I, I, I don't know. We're seeing more of this though. We just saw that 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 superhero Russian superhero movie. Right. So. You know, I think we're going to start to see more and more yeah. of the, this kind of stuff. No, I mean, this thing looked, like I say, it looked interesting because it didn't look like a lot of other films. Right. The idea of it begins with um, a camera going, looks like down into a grave of a person laying there and she wakes right. up. So, um, I'm interested. Uh, I don't know that I'm... I, I get the idea that there's some kind of experiment going on. Yeah. Or some, I don't know. Um, let's see. Next up, <clears throat> Bloom Houses, the first trailer for Halloween. Made up mostly of old stuff. Clips from the original Halloween. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yes, yeah, I, I don't. Jamie care. Lee Curtis is saying she goes, "Listen, I'm sorry about whatever that movie was, H two O." Right. Um, she goes, "But this thing is fucking scary." And I think, okay, but she said, "Hella scary." And she goes, "You can quote me as saying hella," but on the other hand, I can also quote you as saying you're promoting the film that you're in. And Absolutely. You're show I mean, it a little I bit. mean, as soon as I see her recreating the shower scene that her mother did yeah. in Psycho. It's a little on the I'm nose, kind right? kind of like... It's a little uh, on the nose. I, I kind of like... I, I guess if I, if I go see this, I go see this as a con fan. Hey, it's Halloween! We gotta celebrate it! Blah! Yeah. I, I, and not so much like, this looks like a really good film. Um, yeah. It, I. You can't tell from this trailer. Yeah, all you can't you, tell you, shit. Yeah, all you see in here is clips from the original Halloween, interspaced with Jamie Lee Curtis now. Yeah, looking around. Looking around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, next up, this is one of three films I, I deleted two of them about mermaids. This this one is called the Mermaid Lake of the Dead. Yeah. I chose this one because it's more straight up horror. They 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 did some. Low, it's looked low budget, it but it's, low a, budget. it's a version of um, this other movie called The Little Mermaid was one that I jettisoned, and then, then there was another one from I want to say Germany that I threw out. But suddenly mermaids are super cool. This looks kind of boogeyman-ish. It's that it's that thing that happens, right? And it's like it's nobody's fault. It's just for some reason in the zeitgeist at the time, all <laughs> people. <laughs> Unbeknownst to each other, released like three uh, meteor crashing into the yeah. Earth it's the volcano movie. The volcano movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who knows why? But um, this looks okay. I think it looks fine. Um, I'm, you know, I would only watch it because I'm interested in the makeup effects. Mm -hmm. um, I like the idea of a mermaid in a lake as opposed to the ocean. Ocean, yeah, sure. That's kind of cool. Kind mm -hmm. of a, a local, you know... Uh, There's something about, like, you f you fall in love with her and then she asks if you love her and if you say, like, oh, we just met. If you reject her, then, then you're fucked. You're fucked, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Um, next up, a teen serial killer film called Monochrome about, like, this girl that's killing people because she likes it and she's getting paid for it now or... Yeah, it's 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 um, it somehow becomes. I, I get the idea that it's like being put online or something. Or yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it's more of that quirky filmmaking yeah. kind of a thing. And we're gonna hit a couple of those <laughs> in, in the next <laughs> minute or so. Uh, actually, this next one, "Never Going Back," this quirky teen comedy about the relationship of two girls 
that are friends. Who are just kind of like, fuck the world! Yeah, just hanging yeah. out. Um, I think it's fine. I, like, I, I can remember being that girl. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, where it's just like, oh, this offends you? Then I'm doing it ten times. Yeah, over. I mean, like, you know, they're, it's, it's classic stuff. They show yeah. up to work still drunk from the night before. Right. And, you know, just trying it's, to navigate the world. Of, you know what it's, you know, with with the stuff that's been in the news lately, it kind of made me think of this is like a this is like a girl, um, Wayne's World, yeah, Bill and Ted, yeah, Cheech and Chong, kind um, of on their own adventures and yeah, and uh, but with the benefit of being produced in today's film world, where mm-hmm. one everything looks great, and two, um, we just have some of the really really badass filmmaking though. and the acting yeah. looks great the, yeah. the, these two girls look fa- fabulous yeah. uh, next up Occupation a sci-fi invasion thing uh, this looked fine I mean it looked like a sci-fi invasion it thing. looks like every other fucking science fiction <laughs> invasion I saw this trailer and I was like there's no fucking way you're going to get okay. me anywhere near this because because of what you just said it looks fine yeah it looks it's like hey here's this template yeah. We've made this movie before, and now we're going to make I'm, it again. I'm much more interested in like, the movie we talked about last week, about the kid that finds the gun. Oh my god, the, the laser blast. The laser yeah, blast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, finally, a- um, not finally, but after waiting for seemingly forever, they released this um, trailer for Shane Black's The Predator. Yeah. Wow, I don't. What I don't care. I I said on Facebook. I go. I'm getting an Alien versus Predator Requiem vibe. Here's the thing: is like, I get. I love Predator. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Right. Um, I really don't care about anything much beyond that. And so every time that I see any <laughs> movie with Predator in it, I just feel like. But they're really hot to get him into the city or get him around a I lot of people. I hate that. And that's not... Did you see Predators? The, yeah. The Adrian Brody yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, That actually worked. Yeah. It, it's not bad because it's Dude. not about this Dude. whole thing. Exactly. It's, and to, to be honest, the, the only reason... I think Predators 2 is... Or, or Predator 2 is fine. Yeah. Um, the only thing I don't like about it that bugs me about it is that it's happening in the city. Yeah, and it's it, super 80s. It drives me nuts. It is well, super 80s, it's super 90s. Having said that, though, I recognize that there's a whole crop of people who love that movie uh-huh. exactly for the reason that I hate that movie. Yeah, no, I think in the in, in the end, those Predator films are about, like, the Predator versus man. Yeah. And, and maybe something gets caught... But it gets in the in between it. But it they always spin off like AVPR is just a mess. I I love a- those guys. AVPR is not a good film. I would argue that AVP mm-hmm. is a good film. I think the AV, AVP the setup the MacGuffin on how it it throws the switch yeah is fucking brilliant yeah 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 and then we get into a little some rough water towards the end but uh-huh. I think it's fine. I think it's. Uh, I think it fits perfectly. It, it for for years I avoided the AVP mm-hmm. franchise, all two of them. Yeah. Um, just because there's no way in my head, I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna like 
this. You know, this 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 is like Freddy versus Jason <laughs> or whatever, right? Uh, Michael Myers versus yeah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chucky. Anyway, um, I finally, on your recommendation, actually, I finally watched AVP. Mm-hmm. And uh, I fucking love it. Yeah, I, it's fun. I, I think it fits perfectly. Like, when they release a big box set of the alien things... I think that should go in there. Mm-hmm. I think AVPR, yeah, uh, Alien vs. Predator Requiem, yeah, needs to just get buried. It in just becomes this weird, you it's know, not even drama thing. Well. It doesn't yeah. even look good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you would think that, based on the fact that the directors were visual effects guys, that it would have. Yeah, but it didn't. Um, it's hard for me. AVPR is like Devil's Rejects and Case Thirty Nine, and you know films that I did a lot of work on. And so, like, I look at them finally and go, "Oh, I remember that day." Well, first, first of all, that brings up a good point: is that those all those movies, mm-hmm. none of them had a lot of money. Right. They weren't given, you know, uh, which is funny because, and that happened with the Planet of the Apes series originally too. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, we got to make out, we got to make a sequel because we made money with this one, and yet. You're giving us less and less and less to work money with, sure. as we go along. Sure, you would think it would be the polar opposite. Exactly. Of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, a couple more. Um, this Robin Hood thing with the okay. uh, Kingsman dude and uh, Jamie Fox. Very. It's very rare anymore at this point in my life that trailers fucking piss me off. <laughs> this trailer fucking pisses it's, me off. I, I described it as Kingsman meets Assassin's Creed. I, like, like, I do not... I'm so sick horrible. of CG people fighting it. I, I'm so, so I don't understand why we ever need to do another Robin Hood movie ever. We've talked about this, yeah. right? It's and like, to do it There was only that one idea that you and I both dug, and then Ridley Scott didn't do it. Right. right um, you know, I, I'm sure these guys are heavily banking on that the, the king... Uh, is Robin Hood? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like or whoever oh, that guy. Yeah. Is. Whatever he's supposed to be. Like maybe yeah. even the sh- if he maybe like he's Robin, the sheriff. The sheriff. The, the, whatever. <laughs> when I see people spinning through the air fighting so with sword, it's it. I don't know. I get Look, there's an audience. I I'm sure, but it's just not me. Uh, my thing is like if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna make Robin Hood like this crazy action movie. Then you go and you get some of these guys that are quick draw yeah. archers. I mean, sure, maybe you did, but you fucking replaced them with CGI. Yeah, I know. And I hate that. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, and then finally, um, a comedy. We talked about this before, but this is the first real trailer that lets you know what's going on. It's called "Spy Who Dumped Me." Mia Kunis, Kate McKinnon, yeah, and SNL. Um, Kate I, McKinnon was that the girl? Was that the? Um, the Ghostbuster that everybody was kind yeah. of in love with. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She, uh, they, it's, it looks fun, I guess, and I'm sure that like a, a portion of the audience is going to love this. Um, uh, I don't know. Well, it's like, I think it fits in the same category as a good romantic comedy. Yeah. Very rarely are those things going to make uh, lots and lots and lots of money. Well, they're definitely not going to win an Oscar. Right, right. <laughs> they're not going to win an Oscar. But they may make their money back, yeah. and that's enough. A, you, know, you know, for Girls' Night Out or whatever, this is perfect. This is a really old episode, but we had talked about how um, the film industry was kind of reflecting society in that, yeah. in that we were losing a middle class. Uh-huh. In other words, we had microfilm, you know, micro... Uh, or, or no budget filmmakers, right? And we have these gigantic, like you yeah. know, this is the gross national product for a country film, <laughs> you know. 
and and we're not seeing a lot of these kind of you know one million to six million dollar or even thirty million dollars mm-hmm. and um, and I feel like this is where that is still being kept alive. Agreed. It, 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 There's not shit tons of money. There's lots of big explosions, and there was a lot of gunplay, yeah. and and you know the idea of dropping, you know, it's a fish out of water. Thing your 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 boyfriend turns out. It turns out, unbeknownst to you, that he was working with the CIA. He's a spy. Yeah. And because of your association with him, even though he might be an ex-boyfriend at this point, wow, we're building back to getting back together. Yeah. Um, uh, because of your association with him, now you are drawn into this world, too. Right. And so now you're you and in your, the middle. You and your wise-cracking friend. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it, uh, you know, it feels very, very, very derivative. And very it familiar. does, but it also when you look at like the films that Mia Kunis has been doing lately, yeah. it you go, yeah, all right, this makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on to I, I because of Crypticon and everything else, I haven't watched a damn thing. Have you? Uh, no, I, 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 you know, um, trying to trying to stay current and catching up on the terror so far. It's it's yeah. In my opinion, filmmaking at its best. I, I, I love this thing. It is. I can't wait for it all to come out. You know. Uh, so so you can so just, can like just to sit and watch the boom. whole thing. Yeah. Dude, it it's really good. It's right really. On. There there are scenes in there where it's like, it's so real. Like you come in and they're talking about something else, and while they're talking, there's a guy with like two of his toes that are just black from frostbite, <laughs> and they've got like fucking. Um, Wire cutters, no. you know, just like snipping chunk, off, oh. chunk, yeah, oh. snipping off toes, and like, yep, this is just a part of everyday life here in the in the Arctic. Uh, I know that I'm sitting on a couple things. I'm sitting on Valerian. I'm sitting on oh, Blade of the Immortal, the Takashi Miike. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we're, we're, and it, we'll get to that this week, I think. Yeah, um, I, I still haven't seen it. Yeah, I want to check it. It certainly out. came up a lot at Crypticon. Yeah, a lot. I do. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that was something I was that surprised me when I did the In Love with Monsters panel. Mm. I was expecting people to come out of the, you know, woodwork with all these weird, crazy. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah, and it was all Frankenstein, Dracula. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, and then that actually made me really happy because. That's who. That's who my guys are. Yeah, you know? and everything seems like an extension of that. Yeah, there was a at Crypticon. There was a girl dressed as a female. It. God damn it! I wanted. Something. I wanted to mention to Paul about our friend Cody, and his eighteen. Oh yeah, and his eighteen t- guinea yeah, pigs. Gosh yeah, darn it! That's funny. Uh, are you reading anything? Um, <laughs> no, but there's something I want to. Okay, and, and while you grab your book, I'm going to say, I'm still reading Mickey's Blaine. Um, amazing. There is a moment in this now where uh, they talk about going into a bar, and the, his date, is ta- her name's Juno, talks about um, how fun it is and how friendly everyone is. And when he gets there, he, he says, essentially, you know this is an, I'm going to say F word, um, bar, for uh, it's a derogatory term for gay. Right. And he doesn't say it like offensively. It's just like, hey well, man. Well, it's <laughs> like 1950. It's like so many of those books. Like like you had talked before about the 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 thing in one of the Matt Helm books you were reading. Right. Where the wife gets raped. It's just so, it's such a different headspace where you just think, 
it's just it, it was such a part of it it's just a part of everything that you can't I mean you can get offended if you work at it but yeah. for the most part it's just like man we've I mean, you forget the world how far has changed. Come. Yeah, a lot. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, the book uh, that I'm I'm really wanting to check out, and, and it kind of surprised me. Um, I want to check out um, Creative Quest by Quest Love. I've heard about this, and <laughs> I, I I heard an interview with him, and mm-hmm. I'm like, holy shit, this guy's got a lot of a lot of cool shit to say. Mm-hmm. Smart guy. Smart guy. And. Um, uh, I didn't realize this, but it, I guess this is like one of the most anticipated books of 2018. Yeah, so it, it just came out. He was on um, Jimmy Kimmel, not Jimmy Kimmel. Um, well, he's on Jimmy Fallon, and yeah. and and uh, they did a thing where they were gonna they were gonna play songs for him, but play they played first ten seconds of a song and then five, and they were down to one second of a song, and he was nailing it. Yeah. You'd hear, bam, Prince, yeah. <laughs> and he'd nail it. And it was like, man, that is crazy. Well, he has. So check this out. He's a drummer. Yeah, right? and his, like, he has a snare that's like named after. All of his different snares are named after specific drummers, mm-hmm. and the way his mind works when you hear him talk, it's just like, yeah, you are. You, you know, you're on a different track than most of sure. us are. So I'm really interested in Yeah, I would be too. That's yeah. that's wild. Creative quest. Right on. Uh listening to anything we'll get we'll get out of here. Uh I, I, oddly I've been listening to a lot of Motown. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Temptations, um, four tops. Uh, right on. Great uh, stuff. In particular a lot of really, 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 really young what was he, 11? Stevie Wonder? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All that stuff uh, was great. Who also started as a drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just saw, speaking of Stevie Wonder, I and sort of peripherally, I just saw a great clip of Clint Eastwood talking with Ray Charles about Art Tatum and Oscar Peterson. And it's great because you hear Ray Charles go, man, that motherfucking can play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, also, speaking of Prince, everyone had been shoving this Janelle Monet thing, Dirty Computer. It's a new record out. They're like, oh, she's Prince in, you know, incarnate. Mm-hmm. No. It's pop. One yeah. song sounds like Prince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what's there is okay. Uh, I'm going to go through a bunch of stuff real quick. She, Monet is one of those people where I like her better as a person than I do yeah. her work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Um, S- Christopher Leonard's score to Lost in Space, the Netflix thing. Yeah. Great. It's yeah. very, very good. Band called Cantoma. The new record is called Out of Town. I recommend that. Bear McCready did the soundtrack to the new God of War video game. Every time Bear McCready's name comes up, I have to. It's like... He's from here. Yeah, he's from this town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm. I'd love to get him on here. Yeah, I'll do. Um, Leon Bridges has a new record out called "Good Thing." He's a soul singer. Um, there's a song called "Beyond" that's really good. John Hopkins is a ambient record called "Singularity." A uh, band called I just discovered this band called A Q U I L O Aquilo. Mm-hmm. Um, this record is called Two um, Ambient. Really good. Right. DJ Coe's Knock Knock, Avoid That, Knock Knock, Avoid That Like the Plague. There's a new Rodelius, if you know Rodelius, it's like a German um, early 
computer music, um, a la like Eno or Vangelis. Vangelis or a guy whose just name is fun to say, Conrad Schnitzler. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, uh, and then finally, um, uh, Lyle, I talked about Lyle Workman's score for Overboard. Right. Went out and found that he has a bunch of solo stuff out. And I listened to, um, Harmonic, Crusader, there's like three or four that I listened to, and they were all great. They were, they reminded me a lot of, if Buckethead wasn't intent on just shredding all the time. Right. It's that kind of diversity, where one song sounds like... French sort of uh, Stefan Grappelli sort of bistro music and the next thing is like a Joe Satriani guitar stuff. Huh. He's fucking really good. I'm, I'd am i love to get that guy on. I um, and, I'm, and I actually sent him a note to try to get that to happen. So cool. there's that. Uh, and then this week I'm looking at there's a brand new Harold Budd box set that's like six discs that um, is going to take me forever to get through. Wow. So that's that. Thanks again to I Paul coming on is, Paul is awesome. Paul, like, there's uh, uh, there's something that you wrote in one of the posts in in, in uh, prep for the show. Yeah, and it's entirely true, and and that is that uh, he is, uh, it for my money the. I don't, I don't even want to attach an adjective. I don't want to say best or mm-hmm. greatest. I just want to say the surrealist artist. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I, I think I said that he's he's the most important surreal art surrealist artist since Giger. Yeah. And I think even that's limiting because we I didn't, think we didn't get a chance to talk to him about meeting Giger yeah. and and well, his relationship with him. We're and definitely gonna have all back on yeah, here. Yeah. Um, coming up next, uh, I don't want to jinx it, but we got something coming up next. So. As much as Paul Komoda has been somebody that we wanted to have on the show, like pretty much from day one, mm-hmm. our next scheduled guest is the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy is a martial arts legend, and so that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because I don't want to jinx it. Right. <laughs> um, but we got really cool shit coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, again, please tell a friend. We're trying to get our numbers up, and the more numbers that we can get up, the better, you know, the better pull we have. Right. So, um, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it, and thanks again to everyone who came out and said nice things at Crypticon. That was so wonderful. Yeah, it was so great. Nice, it was yeah. good to hear. So, uh, so we're good for the bonus material podcast. I'm Tom Carnell, and I'm Langley West. Stay scary.